Welcome, everyone, to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Ho Sway. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, let's talk comics. Yeah, this is going to be... I, I already have a feeling this is going to be one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff I really can't wait to talk about, and I've been kind of like debating how to talk about some of this. Yeah, and we'll see where we get there. But um, I'm I'm excited about that. So, but first, as always, we talk about the comic book news. There's not a lot this week, so we're gonna go through them real quick. Um, we're starting to get uh, previews of the next Marvel Voices, which is going to be the Pride issue. Yeah, and one thing I thought you would really like is they are holding the first ever Pride Parade in Asgard. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, of course, Runa is the one leading it. But, Mm -hmm. uh, of course, Loki's there because Loki is omnisexual. (laughs) So uh, there's a little bit of art there if you want to see it at that link. But I was like, hell yeah, that's awesome, dude. Like, And, of course, Enchantress is there because she's bi. Thor is there because he's an ally, (laughs) as I assume. (laughs) But, yeah, I I think that's really cool. I can't wait for that story, actually. That's going to be a lot of fun. So, Um, But, yeah. the next thing is less happy. And this is a, in a few weeks where we've lost a lot of really talented people. This one kind of came out of nowhere. And it's really sad because it's, we've lost a lot of legends, but it, this is a loss of somebody who had so much potential. And that is comic book artist Dijo Lima. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 34 years old. Yeah. Uh, died of a pulmonary embolism. Uh, he's one of the colorists that always caught our eye and we were huge fans of what he did. Right. And um, like, I, I know specifically this stuff we really liked. Uh, he did a lot of amazing Spider-Man stuff. Um, he did Carnage. He did that run of Wolverine. Or he did, uh, was it, which was the Wolverine one with the Phalanx Wolverine? Was that Death of? Deaths of? Yes. Yeah, he he is the colorist on that. Yeah, like which had amazing coloring. Like, mm-hmm. and I got really used to saying his name, you know, coloring by Dijon Lima, and now it's just like he's just gone, and that's just absolutely heartbreaking. Like, it's it's just crazy. And he's done in the short time he's been around, he's done so much, and um, yeah, it's just it's just really upsetting, you know. Um, check out his work. He's done over a hundred different titles. Um. From Marvel, Titan, Xenoscope, Dynamite, everything. Um, so make sure to check out his stuff. Uh, I'm sure it'll help his family out if you buy some prints if they're available. You know, it's just a, just a really like amazing artist, and it's really unfortunate. So next up, a uh, couple little bits of Marvel news. Um, so apparently, in Amazing Spider-Man Seven, the preview intimates that they might be bringing Gwen Stacy back to life. Whoa. For the, yes. like, what, 901? It's uh, issue 7, or issue, no, issue 10, sorry. Oh, for um, issue 10, okay. Now, this just might be the cover. It's just a cover. Yeah. But it kind of looks like it. Like, I'll shoot over to you. There's no details. It's not like Peter deals with the return of a long-lost love or anything like that, you know? It's just But this her. is very much he's shocked to see she's there. God, I hate, I hate the fact that it's um, not because I, just, I shit on him, but the fact that it just makes it seem a little bit more legit that it's uh, John Romano Jr. on the yeah. drawing it. So it's kind of like, oh, well, plus it's part of Judgment Day. 
So what if what if the mutants bring her back? Even though she's not a mutant. That's what I was wondering. If Judge, what if she well, is we'll a mutant? We'll talk about that later on this time. <laughs> like, what if what if she was a late mutant whose powers never came out? And then people when Scarlet who, Witch did the thing... They get discovered about the resurrection process, but people who get to be resurrected, they have to come back as mutants? I mean, you could do that. I like the idea of her being a late mutant the entire time. <laughs> and just, it never came out. Or she has a really silly power. Yeah. And you'll never notice, you know? Like, so... Um, but that's cool. I'm God. I mean, that's news for me because you know I love me some Gwen. But that'll be interesting to have two Gwens kicking around. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Next up, Marvel. Oh my God, Marvel! Marvel has allowed the rights to Conan the Barbarian to lapse. Oh yeah. Um, they're going to pick a new company. The problem is, is Savage Avengers just launched oh, this yeah, week, that's right. and we're going to talk about it later. So now what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are they going to kill him off? I mean, that's probably all they could do. And let the rest of the book continue. I feel bad for David Popose because, like, it's his first Marvel work. You know, and he's so excited and hyped about it. And then it's just kind of like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll see. Uh, it is a shame that they never got to finish Dark Agnes, which I was really enjoying. And okay all that but uh, we'll we'll see maybe maybe i'll go to idw we know idw loves an ip and they've lost several secrets recently so true that'd be cool but yeah um that's it for the news except this week where the eisner award nominations <laughs> yes uh, which me and Josue love to pour over and talk about um we're going to talk about some of the awards some of them are kind of beyond what we normally have the scope of on this show but we're going to talk about them as much as we can also there's 32 awards so we're not going (laughs) to go over all of them but it should be noted that dc has more nominations than any other publisher yeah followed by image and then fantagraphics which is funny because i never see fantagraphics books so right but i'm also super stoked on like which one it was too yeah so let's talk about them um we'll start with best single issue one shot now here's i have an issue with this um Two of these are not single issue one shots. <laughs> there just happened to be a single issue story in in an ongoing series, and I, I feel it's like against the nature of it. There's a lot of really good one shots out there that deserve a spotlight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, nominees are Marvel's Voices Identity, yes, um, Mouse Guard, The Owl and Caregiver, and Other Tales. The one I got, nice. Uh, Wolven Daughter by Quindry Press, and two from DC, Nightwing eighty seven. Which is the the continuous issue? Yes. I'm pretty sure. And Wonder Woman: Historia of the Amazons, which already has the second part out. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it's not a single issue to me, but I guess it can. It, it has a note here: must be able to stand alone. And I guess they can, but they don't. <laughs> like, and that's that's fine. Well, I guess like, um, for, like the first issue, like the first issue does do like a solid retelling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I don't know. Um, I'm fine with basically anything winning this. It's a fun one. Do you have are you I, Identity was my favorite of the Marvel voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but god damn it, that Nightwing eighty seven. Like it's just the fact that I just I need to get like another two issues so I can have like the whole thing playing around like on my wall. Yeah. Well night it's not the last time we'll talk about Nightwing, so maybe they don't yeah. need to win this one. So <laughs> Best Continuing series. Oof. Man. Oof. Bitterroot. Yes. Again, by the way. Third year in a row. Department of Truth. Immortal Hulk, that's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Nightwing, something is killing the children. 
I've basically read all of these, like Sons of uh, Immortal Hulk, but it's right behind me. And it's just like, after this, it's like, how can I not read it this year? Of uh, these, I, I, <laughs> something is killing the children or Nightwing is my pick. Ooh. I mean, this, like, the fact that Bitterroot has been able to be up here for three years in a row, for three volumes in a row. It won two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, damn, I'm leaning with uh, obviously Bitterroot, but if it's not that one... <laughs> Uh, probably, honestly, I've just been solidly impressed by Nightwing. Yeah, it's, it's great. Best limited series. Holy crap. Oh my God. (laughs) All right. We'll start with the one neither of us read. Hocus Pocus from, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Squarespace. And then the good Asian. Yes. Oh my God. And the fact that it got got to wrap up right before the Eisners. Yeah. Better Ray Bill. (laughs) Stray Dogs. Oh, <laughs> Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The Many Deaths of Layla Star. This is not a fair list. I feel bad for everybody going against the Many Deaths of Layla yeah, Star. Yeah, it's that. I mean, that that's the solid win for the year. It's also there's two image books, so they're going to split the vote a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I uh, personally, I love Many Deaths of Layla Star, but Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is my pick. But I know it will oh. win. Nice. So that book is um, incredible. I know. I'm I'm giving it to Layla Star. I'm I love that Beta Ray Bill made the list because it was a yeah. very fucking good book. Um yeah. but I'm just so happy to see the good Asian just be nominated. Yeah, that was really cool. Like because you seem to really, really enjoy that book. It and I'm definitely good. picking up the trade. So uh best new series. Oh. <sighs> Ultra Mega. Yes. Isn't there only like three issues of that? Four. <laughs> Four, okay. but they're also there. Every single one are like giant size issues. True. Radiant Black. Not all robots from AWA. <laughs> and then I think the two, they're going to fight it out. Ooh. Human Target. <laughs> and the Nice House on the Lake. Woo. I'm going for the Human Target, obviously. I mean, Nice House on the Lake is a very good DC book. <laughs> they're both DC books. <laughs> um, oh, so I split the vote there. Um, I've also heard uh, for people who have read it, I've heard nothing but great things from not all robots. Yeah, it's Mark Russell, and I like Mark Russell. So I like the Eisners because sometimes it tells me, hey, you should check this thing out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, um, Ultra Mega is just is, is a fucking phenomenal book. Uh, it's been gone for too long. Uh, so I, but I think I, it's polarizing. I think it's more polarizing than a lot of people. Yeah. Think. But it's just like it's very, yeah, it's very in your, in your face. Yeah. Uh, we're going to skip a lot of the kids ones. Because it's a lot of stuff we don't really read. However, we'll jump down to best publication for teens. Yes. Uh, Adora in the Distance, Clockwork Curandera, The Witch Owl Parliament, The Legend of Auntie Poe, and then, out of nowhere, two of our favorite books, Fighting It Out, Strange Academy versus Wind. And it's crazy because like, right before the list even came out, um, at, a, at one of my comic book stores, in their case, they had Strange Academy 1 and 2. I know I first noticed two, and I was selling for 40 bucks. I was like, whoa, that's awesome that I have that in my long box. And then next to it, I noticed, like, oh, it's number one, 140 bucks. It's like, fucking A. Yeah. Um, I wanted to highlight um, right before that uh, publication for kids, ages nine through 12, because I just read this one, The Four Fisted Tales, Animals in Combat by Ben Towell. That oh, was nice. a very good book. I, I didn't realize it was, just, it was a, that new of a book. So I hope that one wins. I've been in that same category. I've been looking down the science of surfing a hundred times. 
Oh. Uh, it's always right next to the register at my comic book store, so I'm always mm. staring at it. But between Strange Academy and Wind, the two we've actually read, yes, I want Strange Academy to win. win. Honestly, me too. I, I like Wind, but I think the first year of Wind was the best year, whereas Strange Academy just got better. At least so far, or at least yeah, Volume Two definitely propelled the story, but Volume Three is probably really where it's all it's all gonna hit. But with yeah. Strange Academy attaching that little Eisner stamp to it, it'll probably solidify a lot of the characters to stay in the in the MU. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> all right, we're gonna go down to best anthology. Couple that we don't really read: Flash Forward, an illustrated guide to possible and not so possible tomorrows, mm-hmm. uh, from Abrams Comic Arts. My Only Child from Fanfare Presents. You Died, an anthology of the afterlife by Iron Circus. Superman Red and Blue from DC, and then the one I think we're both pretty much agreed which should win it. Um, the silver coin. Oh, duh. <laughs> Probably win this. Fucking duh. Silver coin is the best. No, <laughs> yeah. I did. I did. I do have a few of Superman Red and Blue, and the, and they were good. Uh, there's a, there's a few uh, highlights, uh, especially because like one of them was actually up there in the best single issue. Uh, but silver coin, baby. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, best graphic album new. Uh, a lot of stuff we don't really read. Um, in. Ballad for Sophie, Metal Locker, Coming of Age Crime Story, and Destroy All Monsters. However, mm-hmm. I know Sway was excited to see Monsters nominated. Oh, fuck, yes. It is just such an epic, it's an epic novel, novella of a book. And I'm sounding ex- exaggerating, but it really is that good of a, of a, of just, of a treasure of a book. And again, you, you see this book out there, and it's huge, a huge hardcover. It's just 40 bucks. It's a huge yeah. book, huge book, huge story for 40 bucks. And it's going to be an Eisner winner, baby. <laughs> I mean, it has a good shot. So <laughs> um, now we're going to get, I'm going to scroll down a bit and uh, we're going to shake it up. I will like, I would like to bring up best digital comic. I'm not going to go through all of them. Oh yeah. But I got to mention that my boy, Jeff the land shark has been nominated for best digital comic and give, give it to him. <laughs> give it it's fantastic so um but best web comic uh this i'm no, i know someone who's going to be very excited about this so <laughs> you um so nevelera of like a butterfly unmasked isle of elsie and then two webtoon titans throwing down face to face yeah batman wayne family adventures against lord olympus <laughs> it, one of those two should win either one obviously lord olympus has like the fan done behind it but so does batman but this wayne, wayne family adventures has nothing but love behind it as well yeah it's liz said it's the best batman comic book ever made and i'm like <laughs> yes. agreed like <laughs> it really is so um moving up from there um da-da-da-da. best uh letter okay so we're gonna start talking about individual awards now best lettering wes abbott Clayton Cowles, Crank, Ed Dukeshire, and Barry Windsor Smith. Barry Windsor Smith, baby. <laughs> all favorites on this show. I'm going with Clayton Cowles. I know it's, it's all names that we've said before, um, but I guess on this one, I, uh, it's just it's it's. I'm I'm hoping it won't be such a hard battle, but Barry Windsor Smith did the whole did monsters all by himself, and the lettering in that one does stand out. Yeah. It, it, it's something it's, to really just like scope at, especially when this person. The, I don't want to say it becomes possessed, but they just start freaking out over something, and like the 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 font, the text in that bubble that doesn't fit inside the it, it's just, it's it was really really well done. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping for monsters for any categories that it's on. It's hard to win if you're if you only have one book in a category like this. Yeah, you know that's my only thing. So but I'm hoping this book yeah. really stood out last year. I mean, I think it did. I just don't think it had the reader readership of the others. But it might win like the hipster vote. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not trying to be condescending. I honestly think you know that could happen. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, but, but I, I, I do guess really I'm like, like I do shy with seven uh, seven secrets and once in future. That is a very hard like battle too. Well, I mean, just Clayton Cowles. You look at it like Amazon everything. Batman, Batman, Catwoman, Strange Adventures, Wonder Woman, Adventure Man, Daredevil, Eternals, King of Black, Strange Academy, Venom, X-Men, X-Men. That's hard to beat. You know, so we'll see. Um, Best colorist. I have a bone to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Adriana Lucas has been snubbed for best colorist. Yeah. For the work in Nightwing. Uh, It's basically the only creative person from Nightwing not nominated. (laughs) <laughs> and Nightwing Blue is the best color in comics, so shame on you people. So, um, but the actual nominees: K. O'Neill for the T Dragon Tapestry, second time we've seen a nomination for that, by the way. Mm. Um, Jacob Phillips for Destroy All Monsters and Friend of the Devil. Does Jacob Phillips do um, right? Texas Blood? That's what I was thinking too. But I wonder if he just uh, artist and draw and colors. But I wonder if he's just artist. Yeah, just I could have swore that name jumps out to me. Yeah. Um, Felipe Andrade and Inez Amaro for the many deaths of Layla Starr. <laughs> and Matt Wilson. It's hard to argue against Matt Wilson. But I would kind of like to see uh, Felipe Andrade and Inez Amaro win uh, for many deaths of Layla Starr. I think that's an award that's certainly earned. You mm-hmm. know? So. Uh, but yeah, um, it's some, lots of missing names in the colorist section. Like we're I know, really I, getting familiar <laughs> with colorists. We're kind of like, oh, I wonder okay. if Tamara has to be like on a, on a three year um, every other, <laughs> or else yeah. they just uh, sweep it. Best cover artist, man, this stacked category. <laughs> yeah, uh, Yoshi Yoshitani, who did the I'm Not Starfire one, mm-hmm. and also did Witch Blood. Yes. Yes, and the Blue Fame and Giga, all for Vault. Julian Totino Tedesco doing Just Beyond, Dune, Action Comics, and The Walking Dead Deluxe. And then just a few casual names. Bruno Redondo for Nightwing. (laughs) Alex Ross, do do you need to know what he did? (laughs) David Mack, some of the most iconic covers in comic history. Yeah. And Jen Bartel. Oh, my God. That's the toughest. The fact that like, like Stephanie Hans didn't even make the list. You know what I mean? Like that's how yeah. talented the cover artists are. You know? Do you have a preference? <laughs> um, I think for the ah, uh, just sucks. Um, <laughs> see, I love Bruno. I love Bruno's, but I love reading his work. Like, like yeah. uh, uh, turning the pages on him. So maybe not him for this one. I have so many Jim Bartel ones. I think it's a Jim Bartel win. <laughs> uh, I love David Mack. Why? Honestly, if I'm being honest, the only reason why I've been collecting the full runs to these without even reading them yet mm-hmm. is because of Alex Ross's covers on Captain America and uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Like, I only get them because of his covers. And not even because, like, oh, I just get them because of Alex Ross' covers, but it's because I, if, because if he's on the cover, it's going to be a good fucking book. And I'll get to it when I get yeah. to it. But then every single time, he's, they're just so fucking mesmerizing. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Best pencil and inker or pencil inker inker team. We're hitting the big heavy hitters now. Uh, these are all single people, no teams in this case. Felipe Andrade, the many deaths of Layla Star. That's that's a tough one to pass. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Jimenez, Wonder Woman Historia. I would say it, only one issue even qualifies for this. Mm-hmm. So I would say maybe next year. Just because the competition is so strong. Yeah. What single issue? Mm. It was, I know, but it, it was a very impressive single issue. Yeah. Bruno Redondo, Nightwing. Asad Rubik, Eternals. Yeah. P. Craig Russell, Norse Mythology. <laughs> I I am going to go with Felipe Andrade. I, my, my heart goes to Felipe Andrade, too. It is such an original-looking yeah. book. Like like it's the way the way it just encapsulates the the setting with the art. It was just it's perfect. Yeah, um, yeah maybe maybe next year for Felipe Jimenez. Uh, my second pick would have uh, is is on, is on I, I I always love his shit. Yeah, yeah, and the way he draws the Eternals mm-hmm. and the like the stoic face for yeah he he's just know, been like, he's just been a favorite stoic. of mine since Secret Wars. Yeah. All right. Best writer slash artist. So this is a person that did both in a book. Alison Bechdel, The Secret of Superhuman Strength. The namesake of the Bechdel test, by the way. Yeah. Junji Ito. Ooh. For everything. We know that. <laughs> Barry Windsor Smith. Monsters. Yes. This might be where he pulls out a win. I'll tell you that. Mm. Will McPhail for N. And Daniel Warren Johnson for Superman Red and Blue. And better Ray Bill. <laughs> I... I only read one of these, and mm-hmm. it was Better Ray Bill. Okay. So that's the one I, by default, I'm going to cheer for. Yeah. But I, I, I believe Barry Windsor Smith's going to win this one. Yeah. When I, when I was going down to this one, I was like, oh, Junji Ito. That's it. Junji Ito. And then, of course, the last name, Barry Windsor Smith's like, nope. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry, Junji, but it has to be my boy, Barry. I, I read, like, again, like, you see this colossal fucking hardcover. I read that shit mm-hmm. in one sitting, as brutal as it was. I just had to, I, I had to keep going, uh, just like for uh, for uh, Billy Bob, like the fucking character. It's just like what he endured is like, you know what? I have to fucking turn every page as sucks it as it is, but it is a great, great book. Yeah. Which leads us to our final category: best writer. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, so I have opinions. Mm-hmm. Ed Brubaker, not this year. No, not not this year, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Sue DeConnick. I love Kelly Sue, but has she done anything besides one issue of Wonder Woman Historia that year? Yeah. Like the second one just came out, but yeah. Because this ends in December. Mm-hmm. Like the, the awards cut off in December. Oh, okay, so. yeah, yeah. Felipe Mello, I didn't read Ballad for Sophie. I've actually heard really good things. Okay. But. And then <laughs> Like it, it's like Ali and Fraser. Like it, <laughs> Rom V. Yep. With the many deaths of Layla Star, Swamp Thing, Carnage, Black, White, and Blood, and Venom. And that's not all he did this year, by the way. Right. He did a lot more. <laughs> and James Tynan, the fourth. House of Slaughter. Something is killing the children. Wind, the nice house on the lake, the Joker, Batman, DC Pride, Department of Truth, Blue Blood, Razor Blades. <laughs> My mind says James Tynan the fourth. My heart says Romvi. Yeah, Romvi all the way. Yeah, I think he's 
he's definitely put stuff out that's hit me more than I. Lo- I mean, I love House of Slaughter. I love something that's killing the children, mm-hmm. but Many Deaths of Layla Star is just impactful. Yeah, no, I, like everywhere, everybody like has like everybody likes really likes like a handful of stuff from James from last year. Everybody is there is everybody's in agreement that Many Deaths of Layla Star is to- is on their top book. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty much a universally held good book. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, so we're going to have those awards in uh, June, at the end of June, I believe it is, for cool. Com- San Diego Comic-Con. Right. And we will know more at that point. We'll probably talk about it more at that time. Let's go Monsters! Yeah, we might do something for Comic-Con this year. I don't know. We'll see. We don't really have a network behind us anymore, so oh, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> so, um. But that leads us into our comics, unless there's anything else news-wise you can think of. Uh, no. No, I think that was it. Awesome. Oh, Umbrella Academy Season 3 trailer's out. Oh, okay. Check it out. It's good. So, all right. Well, let's launch into our comics. And as always, when we talk about comics, we don't start with a DC. We don't start with a Aftershock. That'd be backwards. We start with a Boom. <laughs> boom Studios. And I got a couple solos to start off with. Angel number five. I wasn't sure if I was going to stick with the the Angel series. I still got very complicated feelings about Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do really love Christopher Cantwell, and he's the one writing it, so that's helping. Um, so written by Christopher Cantwell, illustrated by Daniel Bayless, colored by Patricio Delpech, and Maria Agostino Vallejo, and lettered by Becca Carey. This is the start of a new arc, and thank goodness it's a Spike-centric arc, and I love Spike. Nice. So... Um, it's really cool and it's about him like like no one liking him because he's the bad guy and everybody likes Angel more and he's like the redeemed good you know and he's just like Ugh. but he's trying to do the right thing to help people and stuff and it's something happens uh, this is only the first issue to kind of set up the arc so something happens to get him in a position that's bad is what I'll say so I don't want to get into too much uh, detail about it but I do absolutely love this cover yeah Nice. Of him just sitting at a bar. Really cool. <laughs> I like the red. Yeah, I really dug that. So good stuff. I'm in for at least another arc. We'll see. <laughs> so next up, Alice Ever After, number two. I really want you on this tra- train <laughs> with me, man. Written by Daniel Panosian. Uh, two illustrators, uh, Dan Panosian and Giorgio Spalletta. Colored by Fabiano Mascalo and lettered by Jeff Eckleberry. This is the retelling of Alice in Wonderland. That's about the girl who takes fucking heroin and yes. has the visions of of wonderland and she's committed to an asylum and the members of the asylum look very similar to have characteristics yeah have characteristics of certain characters from another fantasy world you know <laughs> and she starts meeting them there's like a a really excited guy that very much is yeah, see there. Yeah, he's very much bird-like, if you will. Um, he, she meets. I think it was Walter, who's very much the walrus. Um, so it's the walrus, you know. And, and there's Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and they're fucking creeps and stuff. And uh, there, she meets a guy, and I'm like, is he the Cheshire Cat? I'm trying to figure out who, which one he is. And then she meets the person assigned or in charge of the entire place, who is this lady in uh, her. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's very much the queen with hearts everywhere and stuff. And she keeps she keeps giving Alice very contradictory inter- or contradictory instructions and acting like Alice is crazy for not understanding her. 
which is like, you know, very much like the whole thing is, is the Alice in, in the book is very much off guard because she keeps getting told things to do and then doesn't react appropriately. And then that's when they decide off of their head. So, but in the end, her and her new buddy, who I believe is the Cheshire Cat, break in to the medicine cabinet, steal a bottle of, quote, liquid heroin and take a big drink before they're about to be caught by the guards. So that's where that one leads off. I love it. I love the art. It's really cool. And also, yeah, like I said, the um, the the writer is the one who does the art when she's in Wonderland, which looks like this. So it looks completely different. Ooh. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Also, this cover. Yeah. I just, I just adore it. So really good. I'm enjoying this. Uh, I think it'll be a fun trade, actually. So. And next up, our last boom book, House of Slaughter, number six. Yes. The beginning of a new arc, Josue. Scarlet, baby. And with a new creative team shakeup, I should say, written by James Tenney and the fourth with Sam Johns. Sam Johns doing the script. Illustrated by Letizia Caronici. Colored by Francesco Sagala and lettered by And World. We move on from our original story. And now we're going to start learning about the other masks, which you and me were kind of like, I really hope that's what we're doing. Yes. And it is. Um, we're learning about the Scarlet Masks. So I got this cover. Yeah. Which is the one. Mm-hmm. There was a bagged cover. And I had a friend look it up for me at the store. And it was very, very body horror. And it wasn't my thing. So okay. it's like meh. So I passed on it. But um, if it's your thing, that might be something you guys might be interested in. So, <laughs> But yeah, so we follow a new character. Um, and they are a scarlet mask. And very much the researchers. Very much the, you know... The librarians, if you will. (laughs) So, um, and I really like how they're able to take that and make it like a, a a mission, you know, like, like a field mission for a character like that to give them something to do. They're not just sitting around the house. You know what I mean? And we also get the impression that this is taking place at the same time as the current something is killing the children arc because it says that Erica just went AWOL. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool that we're, we're back in like present time, if you will. Um, but yeah, I dude, I love I love the crimson masks. They're so yeah. cool looking. Like, like, um, come on, like they they started with the with the original Gators. Like, make all yeah. of them, please. Right. I really like it, and it, it, I, I like the arc that the boy's going through. Right, and like that, he's only in there because he's smart enough, but not good enough. Maybe. Well, he he can memorize anything, but he can't think on his feet. That's why he, he knows every strategy in chess. But he plays chess against somebody who has no strategy and loses because. Mm-hmm he's nothing to react to. And I really thought that was cool. It's a good character arc and I can't wait to see where that actually goes, but it's a good start. I already really like it. Um, obviously I loved the last arc, so it has a lot to live up to, but I think it's doing a pretty good job so far. What'd you think? Yeah, no, I mean like going on, going off of that is um, the last arc. I, I want to know more about the house, but I, I ended up staying because of Aaron and ended up loving it because of the gayness. It, it was awesome. But this, but this arc is, I think, the one I'm really, really gonna fucking love because it's the one that is really starting to explore more on the actual houses around the the other masks. And yeah, and I really love the story. I'm like, like this guy that I really, the one, yeah, he can't think on his feet, he can't really remember his strategies, but he is smart. He's not, he's not useless. But God, it, I'm so excited for for this arc in particular. It's a good start. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Well, that's it for Boom. So we're going to move on and we're going to talk about a publisher we talk about occasionally on here. And I think for the first time, we have two books nice. in the same week. And that is Source Point Press. Um, I'm going to talk about My Brother Eddie, which is a one shot from Source Point Press. 
And it's written by Yarmir Francois, art by Todor Hristov, and colors by Sonia Anastova. I don't have a letterer, so let's just assume the artist did it. Um, it also comes with a QR code for an exclusive soundtrack to listen Ooh, to while reading nice. it. Um, this is an almost... Di- I, honestly, there is... I don't know if there's actually dialogue in this story. Let me check. Maybe at the end? Um, no, there's no dialogue in the story. There's only scene cards like there would be in, in a in a silent movie, just to give you a quick like thing, right? Okay. So this is about a little boy who's in bed and he has a little teddy bear, right? And something's trying to sneak out of the closet, right? Nice. The bear wakes up. The bear sees what's going on. Check out the bear. Look how cute he is. Oh. Yeah. Sees what's going on. He walks over to the toy chest, pulls out a sword and shield, oh. and marches off into the, the closet. Okay, that is a great start. <laughs> uh, when he's in the closet in the magical world, uh-huh. he transforms into a full-on like polar bear. Oh, that is sick as fuck. <laughs> if you want a better shot, just look at the cover. Okay, I'm going to have to go, this, go look for this one. Oh, dude, you don't even know yet. And they have all these adventures. They fight all these monsters. First, it's just the polar bear. And then the kid actually joins him at some point. And it keeps cutting back to the real world. Where the kid is dealing with like issues and has his bear with him. Mm-hmm. So this is all the giant metaphor for all the things he's dealing with in his life. Uh-huh. The bear is there to hold it off, right? There's even an awesome moment where the bear fights something blindfolded and beats it. Like it's just awesome <laughs> action scenes. Um, and it's like as things go on and on and on. Um, there's yeah, here's the moment where they actually where the the kid is about to be defeated by a bad guy and the bear shows up and they work together mm. and. Um, there's a great moment where they hug and they unite against the bad guy. <sighs> okay, this is a really good bug. And then they all, they both get knocked down. The bad guy starts swarming towards the kid. The bear runs over and gets stabbed through the chest by the bad guy to protect the little kid. Oh, shut up. No, so what really happened? The kid goes back he comes back to the real world. He's got, like got his wooden sword coming out of the closet and stuff. And basically, yeah, the, essentially the bear took the hit for him. And then it's him years later as an adult. He goes up to his room. He looks at the picture of himself and the bear. He's like an adult. He's in a suit. Takes his tie off. Reaches into his old toy box. Pulls out a sword. Oh, shut up. Lightning flashes. He transforms into a full-on knight. Oh, I gotta find this fucking book. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All any dialogue. No? Yeah, no dialogue. It's all just visuals. So. Oh, like step by bloody step? Like, uh, it reminds me more... Well, I mean, yeah, there's no dialogue. There's just the cue yeah, cards every once in a while. That's awesome. But it reminds me kind of like... Thematically, it reminds me of Good Boy, but a little more serious. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but this is a book that is very personal to the writer. There's a letter at the end. You can read it if you want. And it's about what it's about and stuff. But I really loved this book. Like, this art jumped out at me. And I'm like, this is cool. This looks like a fantasy book. And I saw one shot. I'm like, hey, that's not much of an investment. 
But I highly recommend picking this book up. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I went back through it a couple of times because you read it quick with no dialogue. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, finding new little moments and stuff. And the action's really well drawn and stuff. Like, highly recommend this book. I need to find that one. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And the name of it is My Brother Eddie. Oh. So that tells you something. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. But so good. Damn. I know, right? Follow that up. No, <laughs> cover of Darkness Five. <laughs> God damn it. Um, okay, cover of Darkness Number Five. Um, really dope cover. Like, oh yeah, really, and with the werewolf entrance. Uh, so this one, uh, written by George McHale and Chris Cam, art by J uh, M J uh, Hyblin, and lettering by Nikki Powers. So I was really, it was really awesome when I started reading my comics because I started with House of Slaughter and the ending with like him on the boat ended there start my next issue and it's cover of darkness and it starts here oh that's so awesome it it was literally (laughs) the same page like oh it's really fucking cool matching scene transitions yes (laughs) uh only in this one it starts with a really dope werewolf like a werewolf uh in in front of like the ship as like as you know but it's like it's a viking ship this is like what the fuck Mm -hmm. it's like uh eastern settlement grand land 17 years ago and it's like oh shit and then you see like oh uh, the ship's finally arrived and everybody's freaking out because like it's a bunch of werewolves. But the werewolf step steps out, kneels, puts his hands on, and just says, Father, and then he metamorphoses back into a human. And everybody's freaking out. Uh, everybody's freaking out about it. And again, this is a book that cuts to a lot of different monster lores. Uh so we cut. <laughs> it cuts to um one of the split parties between like the brothers that was they're being watched over by the the women. Um it's just like it's literally just one of each one of the brothers and one of the the, the guardian women and they're climbing up this mountain um and they meet up with these yetis so again like there's always gonna be monsters they meet up with these yetis the brother transforms into a, a polar bear uh they're about to fight it out so we come back to to the vikings and there's they're saying like yeah no there was a battle we went westward westland well, yeah we went west there's some fierce warriors and we fucking lost so please take us back like we're not bad but and it sucks because, like, the leader of, like, the ones coming back, his brother is, like, the priest, and he's just like, oh, they're the devils. Um, and but, but the people are like, but they're our kin. They're, like, they're our kin. They belong here. They're just, sure, they might be, like, they just might have, like, Fenrir's shadow, shadow to them. And he's like, yeah, Fenrir's shadow, and they're chaos-possessed or whatever. He's just, like, not about them, even though they're, like, still part of the tribe. So there's still the whole thing about the vampires. We cut to the part in Transylvania where it it is speculated that that the werewolves are being like pre- pretty much are under the vampires. Something happens where like that, that's how the hierarchy goes. Um, there's a person that has, has to like feed for the first time. Um, what else is there? Um, yeah. And then like the other two women that, that were split from like that initial party with like the boys, um, one of them is still on the look for them. And the other one thought she found like a friend and she's basically going to be taken away. Um, it's kind of like where, where she's going to end up at, but hopefully nothing bad happens to her. So back at the back with the werewolves, because uh, like they're, they're, this is kind of like their issue. Uh, the brother, the priest dude, was pretty much, pretty much gathered a mob, was just going to go after them. And the brother, like, henchins into a werewolf and just, like, gives him one chance. And the brother's like, well, basically, yeah, he, he took it as, like, so you're challenging me. You realize I'm a fucking werewolf and just... Just chomps down once and just cuts them in half. It's, it was awesome. It was so well deserved. Back at the carnival with the, with like the goblin and everybody who's like so mystical that's just like held there as a slave. Um, the ringmaster finally got uh, somebody finally got one up on the on the ringmaster. It was one of the other brothers. He does like a little um, 
a sleight of hand trick just like and they all got like um they all got to eat for the night he got pissed um anyway back at the sasquatches there's like a fight and it does not go well like the brother and the girl just get just pretty much almost get mauled um and then the ending here is that it cuts back to 16 years prior to where it opened up with 17 years prior and that battle that they lost it seems this is probably where it happened with how those people those vikings probably got turned into werewolves and then be to be under the vampires um because the vampire that we, uh, we that we kind of followed from the very beginning he's like neil i'm your master now and then it ends with uh to be concluded i, I think it says to be concluded then it's something the next one might be the last one yeah okay no it's the 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 um and to and the tune in next time for a cover director six uh, fantasy meets horror, goblins, orcs, dragons, vampires, werewolves, mermen, the mummy, and Frankenstein filled the conclusion of the dark fantasy epic. And that was just like, again, that's way too many elements for six issues. And I hope it all ties in together very, very well. Or hopefully there's like a sequel to it. Yeah. Nice. So there's only one issue left then? Yes. Maybe hopefully for this arc. Huh. Interesting. Awesome. All right. Now we're going to switch over to Dark Horse. And um, I got one Dark Horse book, Breakout 2. This is the one about the kids that are getting abducted by aliens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really like it. Written by Zach Kaplan, art by Wilton Santos, colored by Jason Wordy, and letter by Jim Campbell. This is the planning stage uh, of nice. the heist. The good part. And, and it's very much like a heist movie, the way it's done. He's like, so we got to do this, but this is the problem. And some kid being like, what are we going to do about that? And the person <laughs> specialty is just like, I can do that. It's, it's very much like a heist movie. And I love it. Um, of course, things go wrong during the planning. So they have to adjust. And the, a lot of things like that happen. It's probably my favorite yeah. part of the heist, heist movies, heist parts. Yeah. I love when they tell you the entire plan. Cause you're like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, Cause that'd be the most boring heist movie in the world. The heist goes <laughs> off without a hitch. That's never happened. <laughs> so, um, but it's really cool, and it leads up to the point where they intentionally get themselves abducted by the aliens to free people from within. They're like, getting in is the easy part. We can get in, <laughs> like, basically. So, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. It kind of dealt more with their, like, interpersonal relationships a bit, especially the main character. Um, I really liked it. It was very, very good. I think this is going to be a fun mini, and I'm really curious to see where it goes and see if we can find out what these aliens are actually about. It's kind of cool, so... Next up, we are going to talk about Vault Comics, and we're going to open the vault, starting with Heathen number four, Collector's Edition. Yes. So pretty. Um, once again, I'm not really going to talk about it, but written and drawn by Natasha Alterici and lettered by Rachel Deering. Um, just literally opens up with the Beowulf Grindel thing, so love yeah. it. Um, pick this up if you haven't read the book. It's great. And these are really nice editions vault reserve is what they're called i hope they do this with other books so, oh, I, get some very, the, so I can get some of the early books i never got to get that's so true i really hope they do that as well um also since like it, it's only on issue these reserve ones are on issue four of 12 um the full complete set of heathens also came out this week the the full trade oh i saw that yeah yeah, yeah. it's very nice nice so i'm not gonna talk about the plot because we, we talked about heathens in the past or heathen in the past i cried so. it's very good yeah so next up, the other vault book, The Blue Flame, number eight. I swear this was the end. It felt like oh, the end a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Blue Flame, written by Christopher Cantwell, or drawn by Adam Gorham, colored by Kurt Michael Russell, lettered by Hassan Osmani and Howe. Um, this is my favorite issue so far. Ooh, yeah. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I like how the things are starting to actually 
meld together more seamlessly, the two yes. worlds. And I'm really enjoying that. I like that it's less depressing because it did get a bit depressing for a while there. Yes. Like everybody was just losing. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. I also liked the the uh, prosecuting attorney, the turn he took. Yes. Where he wasn't just like, ha I won. You know, he's like, no, 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 no. We're winning this fair and square if I'm winning. You know, like, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I love that characterization of it. And yeah, it's just really interesting. And I really hope that we're on a good road of recovery and reconciliation. I think that's really cool. So what do you think? Uh, no, it's, really, it's, it's a very good issue, too. Uh, uh, again, it's just like it's, maybe I, I still haven't figured out <laughs> piecing the two times together. But I do like the persecutor is like just trying to play. I, I, I like that path, like the literally path that, that, that they're on to try to make this like a, a fair trial. Like if, if they are going to yeah. do this right, even though like those higher ups are kind of being like, no, it's just like do it the easy way. But uh, no, it's just like it, it does seem like it is kind of kind of on the up and up now because you're right. Like a lot, the last two issues have been really bumming out the story. <laughs> yeah, and that's it for Evolve this week, which means we're going to move on to Image Comics. Uh, we got a, a stack here, so I'll start with A Town Called Terror number two. This is the Steve Niles book mm-hmm. written by Steve Niles and Simon Kudrzanski is the artist, and it's created by the two of them with lettering by Scott O. Brown. Um, it kind of built out the world a little bit more, and I really like it. So in the last one, the, the guy's dad died, and he's like, "Oh, again," you know. And you're, it's kind of again setting up like a monsters world kind mm-hmm. of thing, and it, it's even more so. So he he basically he goes back to town. And he's like, he's like, "How was your funeral?" And the dad's like, "It was fine. Half the town should have." Been. And he goes, "What about the other half?" Because he's just like picking at his dad. Huh. Doesn't like his dad. He's like, how'd you come back this time? He's like, the Franks. And he's like, Frankenstein, basically. He's, oh. just, he's, he's like, really? You let those butchers put you back together? And it's like, this whole thing. He goes to the local bar, and then I'm just going to show you this in slow-mo so you can absorb it. Like, the whole oh. audience, the whole crowd, they're uh-huh. all like Universal-style monsters. Yeah. There's like Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, or the Mummy. There's a werewolf with a fucking pole cue. Like, <laughs> all hanging out at the bar. The whole town is just monsters. And he immediately picks a fight with one of them. So <laughs> he actually, what he does is um, a, a, a Franken, a monster of Frankenstein, who I guess he grew up with, is like, "Hey, man!" He was talking shit, and uh, the, the Frankenstein took a swing at him, and he punches him, and then he rips the Frankenstein's arm off, Ooh. and then beats him with it. <laughs> like, nice. It was really cool. I liked it. Um, and it ends with this amazing last page. Anyone else want to fuck with me? <laughs> like, ah, nice. So I thought this was pretty cool. I mean, a bit gr- a bit bloody, a bit violent, but I'm enjoying it. So I've never been the biggest Steve Niles fan. Like Three Days a Night was okay, but yeah. that was him, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was that one. Um, it, it, it's kind of a hit or miss type of guy for me as well because yeah. there's that one, but then I, I really like uh, Frankenstein Alive Alive. Mm. But I, I, I'm digging this so far. We'll see. Next up, Slumber number three. <laughs> this book is so funny. Written by Tyler Burton Smith, drawn by Vanessa Cardinali, colored by Schlein and Robbins, and lettered by Steve Wands. So this is the one where they go into people's dreams and solve problems, and they're looking for a cellular color that possesses people in their dreams. They go into the, the cop's dreams, and he has this like crazy dream life with like a little girl and a balloon and a bear. And like all these cartoony characters and stuff. And 
Oh no no sorry sorry that's not her that's that's the little girl They're, they set up the little girl at the beginning sorry mm. um his his dream looks like this I forgot like with this fucking weird frog thing uh, oh nice okay yeah who's like. They're like, hey, where's the killer? And she's like, I don't know, I'm the plumber. <laughs> like, it's really funny. And um, it, I can't go over everything that happens, but it's very funny. Um, they, in, she ends up ripping the dude, the frog thing's insides out, and it kind of deflates. And the dude's like, wait, is he gonna come back? And they're like, no. Once we kill him in your dream, he's gone for good. He's like, but I liked him basically. <laughs> like, and then they're trying to get caught by the the dream monster to you know bring her out. But they don't want the guy to um, be in danger. So she actually shoots the guy they're trying to save in his dream. And then he pops back to life next to him. And they're like, yeah, you can't die in your own dreams. But then she takes the deflated like skin and wears it so she can pretend to be him Ooh. to throw everybody off. So she's walking around and it's the effect is like, it looks like this. It's very Edgar from Men in Black 1, which I love. <laughs> yeah. And he and he uses the fish dude as a disguise so no one can see. It's like, yeah, there's some Rick and Morty vibes going on here. But of course, they get found out and stuff, and you find out more about the cop and everything. It's just, it's just really, really interesting. I love this book. It's very funny. I and I can't wait to see where it goes because it does take a really dramatic turn at the at the end. It's really good. So, next up, we're going to talk about New Masters number four. Oh boy, this is a good issue. Uh, written or created by Shobo Coker and Shove Coker. Written by Shobo, drawn by Shove, and colors by Francesco Sagala with Shove. Um, so the heist is over. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get away. Of course, they don't get away. Bad guys show up, wreck them, and pretty much everybody's taken captive except for Uncle D and our hero who jump out of a moving vehicle on a motorcycle into the <laughs> Badlands. And once it kind of like got down to the two of them, I really started to appeal to me. I think I'm not comfortable enough with the world yet for that big of a cast. Once it became the two of them, I could just focus on the two characters. I'm like, okay. And I started to really get into this and then kind of wanting the rest of the cast to come back. Um, so I, I, I did, I really dug this center part of this book. I thought it was really, really well told. And um, I like the aesthetic a lot. It's really beautiful. And we get to, we're going to explore like a new area, which seems really cool. Really beautiful looking area too. Like, um, so I really dug this. I, I'm really curious to see where it's going. It's got like, um, like, a, I'm trying to think of a word. Like we're, we are following a main character and they're kind of, I, I don't want to say that. God, I'll say it. It's kind of like saga. Like where we're following a main character from like place to place and cast to cast but not sticking with any of them really except the main ones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, it's kind of has that Epic grand adventure feel. It's very mythological, if you will. And I really like it. I'm really digging it. So what'd you think? Um, yeah, I, I did like how, at least in this one, I like how we did focus on her. Cause in the first issue we had like the, that, that split story. The second issue kind of did the same thing with like the parents and with mm-hmm. the whole, like the political side. And this one, I, I did like how this one just stayed here. Though the political side was like the, the antagonist that they had to get away from, but yeah, they were just too good. Uh, but I'm just very curious on where we are gonna where we are gonna go from here now because that whole new setting was just like cool. So like we're almost like we found it, but where do we go from here? Yeah, it's awfully paradise. Like yes, like why don't stay? Why don't we stay here? <laughs> like mm-hmm. kind of thing. So yeah, really interesting. Um, next up, I don't. I can't remember if you said it. Did you pick up? I hate this place. No. Oh, Josue. <laughs> 
I hate this place. Number one, written okay. by Kyle Starks, uh, art by Artyom Topolin, colored by Lee Luffridge, and letter by Pratt Brasso. I'm just going to go to the um, the very end, the the letter page, the very first thing Kyle Starks put. He put in bold. This all started because I wanted to write a horror story. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, um, basically, this girl and her girlfriend are traveling to a cattle ranch that she's inherited from an aunt that she barely knows. And the idea is like, okay, we can live here. We'll take care of the cows for a year. We'll sell them. We'll have enough money to do whatever we want, basically. And then they're like looking around the house and stuff like that. And she keeps having weird flashbacks from when she was a, she was a child and she visited here. Um, they find a, a room that is like, well, first of all, all the doors have deadbolts on both sides. And all the cabinets lock in place. They have sliding locks. And they find this weird soundproof room that's full of VHS tapes. And as they're talking, you see one that's in red that says, watch me. But they don't notice right then. So they go to bed. And then all the cows are going crazy in the middle of the night. She's like, oh, I'm going to go check on them. She walks out. Cows. I love this cow face. It's amazing. Like, the cows are, like, going crazy. She's like, what's the matter? And we see this desiccated hand right there come up behind her and just touch her on the back of the neck. And that happens. Nice. And then she loses all of her power or, like, her strength. And she nearly gets hit by a train that comes out of nowhere. We see this, like, half zombie thing. Like, all this stuff. She starts seeing this stuff. And then you see all these dead souls or dead zombies or something at the doors and they're making all this noise they're like driving her crazy her girlfriend shows up with a shotgun um basically shoots them and then all of a sudden there's this big light and you see this dope yeah and they're like what the fuck was that and they find out the they figure out the soundproof room is to sit in while the shit's going down because it's loud out there um they finally put in the watch me tape and it's her aunt who left it to her. And um, I'll just read her little monologue here. Hello to whomever has seen this. I'm truly sorry for all of this. They're taking me to the hospital tomorrow. I don't think I'll be coming back. I don't want to die on this land. I don't want to end up like poor Spencer or the others. Now that you're here, you can't leave. And I'm sorry for that. <sighs> we tried more than once, but it's worse when you leave. You'll get hitchhikers. They'll follow you until you come back. The polter, whatever you call it, is in the house. His name is Bodie, and he's not one of the ones you have to worry about. You should try to hide things so you can use to run on walls, though. The house is off limits to the others. I don't know why, but it is. We should have done this years ago. Spencer should have done it. He was better at explaining things than me. We learned to just live with all the nonsense. It's not easy, but if you follow the rules, you'll be safe. No, I'm sorry. You'll never be safe, but you'll survive. Here are the rules. Don't let the ghosts touch you. Never go in the woods. And if you see the horned man, you run. You run as far and as fast as you can. What the fuck? Oh, shit. Yeah. Took on a very Jeff Lemire feel for a minute there. Yeah. Um, and it's them trying to be like, okay, we're going to like, we're going to try to work it out and live here for a year and then we can run. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And they hire three farmhands, including one guy who I didn't tell you about because the very beginning... There's like a bank robbery and three guys show up to split the loot and okay. one of them kills the other two, but can't find the loot because he doesn't know where it was hidden. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the farmhands. He's there to try to find the money. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I like it. It was a good little setup. Uh, nice horror. Like 
horror story, like a home-based horror story. It's a little Evil Dead-ish, but like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely want it's that. It's something you see in movies and TV shows, but you don't see in comics a lot, which I thought mm-hmm. was cool. So, yeah, really good. Next up. This way it finally gets to find out what happens on Rain, yeah. number five. Uh, the finale of Rain. And uh, written or story by Joe Hill, an adaptation by David Boer, art by Zoe Thorogood, color by Chris O'Halloran, and letter by Sean Lee. So this is the end. As I told Josue, I found the short story and read it because I had to know what happens. <laughs> uh, so I already know what happens. What did you think, Josue? Um, I, I mean, I'm glad I got explained. I wasn't expecting it, but it was just like, it's crazy how contained it was. Uh, for what the what the whole issue uh like why it was all happening yeah uh, i felt bad but, i mean it makes sense with with the problem starting where it started yes it makes sense that it would be something related to the main characters yeah yeah, yeah. You know, which i thought was cool so yeah I, I was i guess i was just scoping it out a lot bigger than it was supposed to be but it was just crazy it was it's literally fucking crazy god I, I felt bad like it just makes you feel bad for everybody involved what did you think about, like, obviously what she did was horrible. Mm-hmm. But what did you think about this moment? Oh, man. Because I, I, I was literally, when it was starting, I was like, oh, here we go. I knew it. it he, he, there, there he goes. And then that happens. Like, I just said good. Oh, like, yeah, I, because, because this. Right, Bitch. right. Bitch. I, I was, I was, We're I was speaking so, in code. I apologize, but you guys need to read this yourself. I was also pretty so. jaded about that. So when that was happening, I was like, "Cool, why not make it more, uh, more dreadful?" And then, and then the reaction is like, "Good, run." And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm glad uh, that our boy Templeton is okay. <laughs> so when I read the short story, I figured it out before I got to the end. Oh, really? Because the emphasis on oh, he has a sun disease; he can't go out in the sun, and then. It said it in the comics, but when I read the short story, they again made the point like, yeah, he seems to be fine in the sun. I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's something to do with that, isn't it? Like, did someone know? And, and then I got to him like, yes, like it was a good payoff. So I liked it. I know it was kind of a controversial uh, series, but I really loved it. I thought it was really cool. I love the art. It's very different. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like I, I liked a lot of the characters. <laughs> Unfortunately, not many of them made it. But, you know, it's the way it is of this new world. Um, did you uh, did you like the the cultist singing Lionel Richie? <laughs> yes, of all the songs too. Like I was like okay, <laughs> like but yeah, I liked it. Um, so good stuff. Yeah. All right. It's not going on last, but it's definitely the main event. <sighs> Bolero number five. Okay. Oh my god. So creative team, let's just start there. Written by Wyatt Kennedy, art by Luana Vaccio, and letter by Brandon Graham. Uh, this is the one I said I don't know how I'm going to review this because I don't know how what to say. I um, I relate far too much to this character. Yeah, in ways that I I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> so, um, I don't want to get sentimental. I don't want to get like personal or anything like that. But Devin, um, especially in the first half of this book, I was like, God, me too, girl. Um, because I, I struggle with stuff. Like, I've, I've not nearly as much as I used to in college. I'll just be honest. Let me just open up a bit. Um, I have histrionic personality disorder, yeah. which is a personality disorder that is, which 
Science will tell you mostly affects women, but I think that's because men don't admit they have it, but that's just me. Um, but it's, it's, it's very much an attention seeking disorder. It's very much trying to establish very constant friendships and relationships, making sure that you're constantly in touch, that you know exactly how they feel about you at all times. And it makes rejection and stuff really hard. And it's also got a very sexual component to it. <laughs> and they never say anything about that with Devin, but I'm like, girl, you're histrionic. Like I'm reading through, I'm like, this is histrionics. The whole thing, like the older boys paying more attention to her. And it's like, do they ever want you to have sex with them and her being uncomfortable with it? Cause that's just how she, you know, how she hangs out with them, how they like her, you know? And like the, the part where, what can we do for you? It's like, I want to party about me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I've been there. And so, and then the scene that obliterated me was of course the scene with the mother. Yeah. And I think one of the most important lessons to take from this whole book is that scene, which we talk about later. It's also still Bolero. So we still get a bunch of time twisties and talking to your younger selves and stuff like that. Alternate versions of you and coming to grips with things and it was visually beautiful and stunning. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it so much. But as I said, the story or the ultimate lesson was about her mom. And it's a lesson I think a lot of people, of, especially our generation, can probably like really take something from. Which is... You don't need to forgive mom. You're allowed to just be. That was it. That was and it I was me. like, fuck. <laughs> like, now don't get me wrong. I love my mother. And I have I have no I'd hold nothing against my mother. It's not my mother in that case. But there are definitely people I have that with. You know what I mean? And I put the book down after I was done. And I tweeted about it. I just stepped away. I couldn't keep reading comics for a while. Yeah. I went and put on some music. I played some cyberpunk. I was just trying to distract myself. I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? And I was just like, it devastated me in a good way, in a very good way. Yeah. I, I loved the way it was done. It was beautiful. And it was just sad. And then I read the, the letter at the end. Yes. <laughs> like, and I was like, sad again. <laughs> like I was like, I... It was so good. And I absolutely adored it. And the ending is just amazing. And just, there's a little bit of hope, but not too much. Because too much hope is annoying. You know, and I like that. I just love the book. And the last thing, just kind of as a joke to tie it all up. He thanks Ethan Hawke in his thank you. And I need to know that story immediately. <laughs> because Ethan Hawke is basically my favorite actor. So uh, I'll ask um, him if I ever see him again. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so, um, but I adored this book. I, it's book of the year right now. Oh, my gosh. There's not a, there's not a challenge yeah. for me. And... At the end, they were very smart because they let me know that uh, Luana's doing Lovesick, which I will be picking up because <laughs> of that. And um, he's uh, Wyatt's going to be doing, uh, is, I think it's called The Devil's Chair, which I will be picking up as well. So, uh, and then I'm just, I'm very excited about this, dude. Like, uh, And then another one, right? The Gospel for a New Century? And yeah, that one too. Yeah, of course. So, 
I just anything. loved it. I loved it. I, I've been ranting. Jose, what do you think? And, and then sorry, and then like the, just one more page, like the then the last ending, like the finale three. It's just like mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway. Um, I had the surprise pleasure of meeting Wyatt Kennedy this week when I was when I was picking up Bolero. Um, I was I took some pictures, and then a pair goes off to the back, and then it goes. That's Wyatt Kennedy. It's like no. No, it's not. It's like Bolero because there's Bolero week. It's like yeah, that's why I can't be over there. He's gonna sign some. It's like fuck. And then he and then you, if you're listening, Wyatt, you come over and of course praise uh, our show because of how much we praise your book. And we got to talk, and we got a very great interaction. It was a great conversation. Uh, but now it's my turn to talk about Bolero, dude. And it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Well, I guess I guess I'll start at that part. That 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 line that you don't have to forgive her, you can just be. I didn't know I needed that that sentence in my comics, like not just everywhere, but specifically coming from my comics. Uh, just uh, until just literally as, as when I read that page, when I read that panel. Um, not necessarily again, like like you, Keith, not not say like with my mom. I fucking love my mom. Um, I've been having a really really difficult time compartmentalizing where I should stand on the situation with uh, my father. He's been been trying to reconcile like his relationship with us and it's been going all right, I guess on that side, but I can only progress so much from my side, just being all the way up here. And just, just, even though it's just a bunch of hearsay from down there, it's been going all right. It's still very much, it's kind of difficult for me to move forward. Um, So, but again, like I'm not going to like deny, I'm not going to say like, Oh, you guys are lying. It's not true. When y'all, all all of y'all are having good experiences with, with the guy. So I've have had not had I've had I had no idea where I've not had an idea where I've, where I should be if like oh maybe I should forgive him like now or right. or not but it's just like just but just hearing that like, reading this play out seeing this play out and then just r- having those words in my head that I don't have to forgive him I could just be made me feel so much better dude made me feel so much at fucking ease yeah like is, if you two if you two bury it good. Yeah. If you don't, that's fine. Yeah. I can just yeah. still continue who who I've grown to be because of how we left off and and I can be okay with that. And it's like, why fucking thank you so much. Like thank you so fucking much for for that. For this book. It really is also like probably my favorite book of the year. Like there's so many other great ones, but again, this is such a personal book. Like this is your first book. <laughs> this is your first fucking book. And and it's crazy. And like I was trying to talk to him a little bit about this, where like everybody's like I, I guess a lot of people's first books when, when we're there for them as we're reading them, Keith, it's just like um we can feel how personal it is, like how much yeah. of a personal book it is, like to that writer, or it's just like it's like it's it's their voice. And yeah. obviously this this is this is very much your book, why is it's your it's your voice, but you made a book where it's just like so much bigger than that. You made a book where it's just like it were where you made it we made it everyone's voice too, a, a part, a piece of in, in this book. It's it's part of everybody's voice. So, thank you so much, Wyatt. It was I I didn't know how much I fucking needed this book until like, yeah, I guess until we got to the end. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I hope to see you again. I, I need three and four signed so I can have the full set signed. Um, and yeah, like <laughs> and, to, and to everyone everyone out there that just like wants to get in the comics game, just take a note from Wyatt's book and kind of from ours here that uh, us doing our shows. Just shoot your shot. Just shoot your shot. He, dude, he literally just messaged Luana. It's like, hey, here's my pitch. Would you like to work together? And we have Bolero today. And I wanted to definitely give that a shot because we are definitely talking about Wyatt a lot, but this book would not be this book without Luana. Yeah, yeah. 
the art is as much of this as it's the story. incredible yeah it's like a perfect match and of course brandon with the lettering there's a lot of really interesting lettering in mm-hmm. this too so i loved it it was fantastic yeah it makes me sad it's over but seeing the ads at the end for what we have to look forward to is just so incredible. much more to look for for wyatt yeah so yeah that's that's great so i'm like good so um at this point we move on and we're going to talk about our big two and um <laughs> this is a pretty depressing transition uh so (laughs) we're gonna talk about galaxy the prettiest star now (laughs) which is a metaphor for transness (laughs) like because i want to bring the group up a little bit i guess um written by jed zeal axelrod illustrated by jess taylor and letter by our girl ariana mayer um additional art by chris peter um this art reminds me of lore olympus oh nice yes i love it um this is a story about a character named galaxy it's not named Galaxy, but becomes named. You'll see. Um, but their name is Taylor. They are an alien princess. Although princess isn't a perfect word, they say, but it's the closest one to English makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is running away from evil bad guy aliens. This is set in the DC universe, by the way. There's like Metropolis and Superman and separate name drop. Oh, good. So basically, when they get to Earth... There's a basically it's like a bodyguard and then and then Taylor and then two other uh, young people that basically survived the attack on their people. So the guard is like, well, we'll pretend to be a family. So he has this little he, all their technology's grown. So he grows this machine. It kind of looks like an avocado and it gives them human forms. And as an additional form of protection taylor is made to be a boy not a girl which is the closest equivalent they have with their alien race and so taylor has to kind of like grow up as a boy while feeling like a girl and taylor also has to be protected the entire time because they're the princess you know and everybody's super protective including you might have noticed the best of boys is her little corgi who is a robot and is her bodyguard and follows her everywhere and records everything she does. Uh, so I, I do. You're, you're muted, by the way. Um, it makes so. me think of the king from uh, Infinity Train. Yeah, yeah, very much. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, so um, a new girl shows up, and uh, also uh, the corgi is always the cutest thing in existence. Like, just look at the. Oh the shots God, right it is. <laughs> look at this fucking face. <laughs> like, Love it. so uh, basically. When Taylor wants some alone time, they take the dog out for a walk, walk past some transformers, like electrical transformers mm-hmm. that fry the dog's like senses so it passes out and then Taylor <laughs> can spend some time alone. Anyways, new girl shows up. Taylor likes the new girl. Taylor's into the new girl. They seem to really like each other. They hang out. They go to kiss and new girl's like, I'm not into guys. Mm. And Taylor goes, I'm not a guy. And that's kind of how it starts. Okay. East uh, Taylor steals the avocado and transforms into their alien form. Mm-hmm. And the girl's just like, you're beautiful. And so they yes. they kind of start a relationship. Uh, they, the avocado keeps getting stolen. They keep transforming back and forth in secret. Well, they accidentally break the avocado. <gasps> and now they can't transform back into human. Oh. So the bodyguard has to go to the school and basically be like, Taylor's actually a girl and an alien. <laughs> Nice. And the whole school was like, we don't want any of this shit. 
Like they 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 basically remove Taylor from the school. Ah. So and it, so it becomes this whole thing about how Taylor, even though is being persecuted, feels so much better in their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go back to to the to their boy skin briefly during part of the story, uh, they go to try to play basketball because they're a basketball star. Yeah, and it they they feel weird in their skin. It doesn't feel right anymore. They they can't like they don't have the dexterity and stuff they used to mm. because they realize what they should be feeling like. Yeah, and it was just a really great metaphor for transness. And it doesn't really finish off the story of the whole evil aliens coming to get them. That's not the story. The story is about them. Yeah. And maybe we'll get a part two. I hope we do. But obviously, in the end, she gets the girl. And it's just fantastic. Um, There's also an ongoing joke about David Bowie in this. (laughs) Yes. Where they just keep keep talking about what a genius David Bowie is, which is fantastic. (laughs) But I really, really, really thoroughly liked it, and it was like so good. Um, it did give me "I am not Starfire" vibes, obviously, because it's kind of the same push right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art is very Lower Olympus, which is a big compliment because Rachel is a gigantic star in comics right now. So um, I want Liz to read it; I think she'll really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly, highly recommend it. And it's the full trade, and it was only. Um, it was only seventeen bucks. Oh, so. no shit! Nice, yeah, because that, that was the one I did pick up the the part of it uh, for the free, free comic trade, book day. Free comic day one, yeah, yeah. And I was definitely curious on like on those YA books, like this. That's the one I really want to jump onto. Yeah, highly recommend. Hopefully, we get a part two. I think it'd be cool to have them like actually doing stuff and like maybe the aliens show up. Maybe we can do something social commentary with them. Yeah, you know, I don't want to like pitch ideas because they <laughs> might have ideas. I want to make it sound like I came up with it. So, um, but yeah. Really, really good. So, next up, Josue, talk to me about World's Finest number three. Yes, Batman Superman, Batman Superman, World's Finest by the All Star team of Mark Wade, Dan Mora, Tamara Bonvillon, and Aditya Bidikar. Don't have to tell you positions because you all know where they're from. You all know what, what positions they take. Uh, so, this one, World's Finest again. The the duo where we last left off. What was it? The the wizard that they were after basically trans uh, did. Um, it's Faust, right? Felix Faust. Yes, that's right, Faust. Um, he took away Billy's mouth so he couldn't uh, henchin into Shazam, and then transported Batman. It's it's the word. It's transfer. It's transform. Um, he, and he and he teleports or he takes a uh, Batman, Superman, and Billy to hell, and Batman is losing it pretty fucking quick because he's only human. And he see he's seeing like the worst of the worst. Like, oh shit, this is magic. It can't really be. And there's like a demon that shows you, oh hell, where where else would you find the man that killed your parents? And it's like a guy like in a fire pit, and he's just like freaking out. You turn the page, and Superman is chill as fuck. He's just <laughs> Batman is just like Superman for God's sake, Jesus, and he's just like shh, and he just swings, and everything's over. Everything's gone. <laughs> And it's just so funny because then, it, like Batman, immediately compose himself, or like after like he he swings and it all, everything goes away, and he goes after Foss and he just and he hands him, and then Foss just like passes out, just like super quick like that. And of course, this is where yeah, it's funny because of course, like it's almost like Batman just like dusts himself off and just like whew, almost lost my cool there because then he's of course he's the one that that explains everything because like oh so what happened oh it's because Superman doesn't believe in hell. That's what that's why that's why he was so 
um, at ease. All he was doing when he was like when he sh- when he shushed him, he was just listening for heartbeats. So when he when he uh, found the fourth one, which was Faust, that uh, that knocked him out. That knocked the whole thing out. Um, so they're not in hell. Um, Billy got his mouth back, but immediately he starts being possessed by Neza, and he starts like saying all these prophecies that like we're all you're all doomed. Um, so then we cut to the Doom Patrol, and they're obviously on a mission. Again, God, this, this book is really good because it cuts to the Doom Patrol, um, and it's uh, Cliff. He's just like, okay, kill you, marry Rita, and and of course he gets <laughs> cut, cut, cut. He gets cut off. <laughs> um, the kill you is obviously um, the negative man. Of course, yeah. So they get there. They get to like they're like out there. At their, so, shit, they're in um, Mountain Block, Switzerland, and they're there to 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 confront uh, General General Immortus. And it's just, it's kind of sad because they get there ready to fucking fight. And he's just like gardening, like, just be like, oh shit, who are you guys? And they're like, you cannot be fucking playing this game right now, right? And then um, Rita notices like, no, like he's not faking it. Look at his eyes. He's genuinely confused. Immortal man cursed with dementia. How horrible. So he's just like, obviously, so he's not the culprit. Um, the They show him like the Neza sign because like, obviously he has to know something about Neza. They show him like the sign. He freaks out. Um. And so they're going to get some information from him back in the past where Supergirl and Robin went um, to get to also to gather information on how the, these old legends were able to capture Neza. They, they can't tell them like there's a fight. Obviously then they realize like, Oh, we're good guys and good guys. Um, like they, like we can't tell you, but we can show you where to gather the information. So they're going to go through this temple. Um, <laughs> and then it cuts back to like the, like the present of this book and remember how last issue it was a uh, Supergirl how because they were flying together how Supergirl was carrying Robin. Mm-hmm. Well, it happens again. Only it's Superman <laughs> carrying Batman, and only Batman is at least like much more cool about it. I, I thought he'd be having an attitude about it, but he looks that's like he's the, having. A... That's the least effective way to carry somebody while flying. <laughs> I know you would have so much wind shear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I like this. Batman didn't have a problem with just being carried. Uh, and the reason why they're going now, they're going around the world is because they're realizing, because uh, they said like, oh, all the heroes, like, because Foss has said all the heroes are being attacked. Uh, so they're checking on Central City. Um, Flash is, um, it's kind of like uh, having a hard time with um, Mirror Master, who, and then and nearby um, Diana is kind of having a hard time with uh, Doctor Alchemy. So they help out. They help her out first. Um, they're, they're able to. They're able to. Um, beat him and then of course uh green lantern shows up and they think they think that he's there for help he puts them in a cage and is going to take them or take them somewhere and then batman is real batman is realizing oh shit it's basically um just as like doom it's like all these shits are kind of like my these the, all these plans are kind of in the back computer he hits up alfred it's like hey alfred is is anything going on in the fucking back computer it's like just to check on it and i was like uh, i'm looking at master bruce and i must say Everything seems to be going as it should be. Only Nez is like right behind him, possessing him. So he's everywhere. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the, the world's finest for now. And I'm so excited where it's going to go because I just saw Dan Mora's tweet about it's like a little sneak peek for world's finest number four. And there's yeah. a whole fusion. It's literally the bat suit and the Superman suit fusion. Like, I'm not sure if they're going to be together, <laughs> but it looks pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> My dog was barking, so I was like, yeah, stop. <laughs> so, um, 
That's cool, dude. Uh, I, I this might be a trade I'm gonna pick up. I might trade. It would be really good as a trade because you do get. Yeah, I'm sure you like all the faces you see. Yeah. All right, Wonder Woman Evolution number seven. Uh, so our penultimate issue, we got one left. Written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Stefano Raphael, colored by Jordi Belair, and lettered by Tom Napolitano. We kind of get an idea now of what's going on um, and what's been behind the whole thing. Um, we have a bad guy who is basically kidnapped Diana, is messing with her mind, and using nanobots on her uh, to make her the perfect Wonder Woman. And... Um, we had another really cool fight scene, uh, which was awesome, including, you know, like a scene where Wonder Woman sees a whole bunch of her dead allies. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. I just love that this Wonder Woman is constantly on the attack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I just love the proactiveness of this Wonder Woman. And in the end, we get kind of a big surprise, which is a new Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, and... um it does look like we're going to have a head-to-head showdown at the end of Wonder Woman versus Wonder Woman, which will be really cool because there is only one issue left. Uh, obviously, penultimate issue will give more of an idea of our full idea next issue when it ends. But what do you think? That was, that was a good one I, for for all the reveals. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad we kind of got to where where we are. At least like like the explanation because I have no I had no idea how they were gonna, they were going to explain like the whole like aliens giving a humanity a trial um but at the same time i'm hoping diana does take away from that that that's, that still is kind of what the point of the book will be about to really yeah. kind of set that part straight uh but yeah but like you said like the action sequences here are badass this, this diana does not fuck around and especially with this armor i really like this battle suit it's just like the black and gold it's just it's, it's really cool mm-hmm. um but yeah i just i enjoyed this penultimate issue um the, the fight scenes are really cool i like how they're drawn I like the the fluidity of the yeah. of the fights yeah nice next up okay so this is the return of one of me and Hosway's favorite comics ever but i'm gonna throw a quick prefix out um we're gonna talk about fables 151 uh very few comics have ever mattered to me as much of as um as fables mm-hmm. um in fact, our show, our first catchphrase was read fables. Yeah. Um, so that tells you a lot about it. But obviously, a lot of a lot of stuff has come to light. And we were kind of ignorant of a lot of stuff uh, with the, one of the creators of fables, Bill Willingham. He is not a great person. Yeah. And he does a lot of stuff. He has a lot of opinions and takes actions that we don't really agree with. We're still going to review the comic. Um. So I just wanted to give a heads up. If anyone would like to skip ahead, we totally understand. Um, we're going to review the comics. The comic itself meant a lot of it to us, but we just want to make it clear that with everything that Bill Willingham is involved in, we are not sympathetic to that in the least. Yeah. So, uh, so with that said, Fables 151, The Black Forest, Part 1 of 12. Um, so written by, as we mentioned, Bill Willingham. Uh, art is by Mark Buckingham. Inked by Steve Leoloa, colored by Lee Luffridge, and uh, lettered by Todd Klein. So Josue has been reading um, the Fables series back mm-hmm. to f- catch up on it. And I just kind of like reminded myself. I went and reminded myself what happened. Um, but yeah, we, it is literally taking place immediately after the series, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's kind of cool. I think I like where that some of the characters are being left off. I love the whole Jack in the Green stuff. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with Bigby 
and the family specifically because you know they're walking into own land and he's like i'm your ruler now basically like it's kind of interesting uh what's gonna happen there so and of course the kids love the kids always so i thought it was a good return um obviously there's characters i want to see that haven't shown up yet because i mean boy blue's not there obviously yeah jack and flycatcher and stuff but yeah well ambrose well ambrose is just gonna be in his own kingdom yeah, but I'm gonna say I'd like to check in with everybody. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean, so, um, but yeah, I thought it was a good return. I'm very curious to see what we're gonna do. If we're just gonna focus on the small cast, or if we're gonna expand to the whole thing. Um, also, a lot of uh, King Cole. Yes, which is interesting because he's not like a, what I would call one of the main characters. So, um, no, but he's kind of dealing with the fact a, that he's definitely a big well, gear to, to to keep the cold thing going. Yeah, like he's definitely a plot device. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call him a character. You know what I mean? He's not oh. one where like, ooh, what's he up to? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, to extent, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's cool because now Fable Town is visual, visible to Mondays. Yeah, I'm curious how they're going to go with that. Uh, yeah, so I'm getting very uh, Mutant Town vibes from mm-hmm. X-Men. <laughs> so, yeah. What do you think? Um, It was a very interesting start because, yeah, it was like King Cole kind of running it. And it's kind of like I really need to see it, see it through the end because... Um, it's because yeah it's picking up where where it did end but at the same time it's, it's like where i left off right now and my reads is literally when it all crumbles down so it's almost like i'm, I'm almost t- taking like a a side path of where i'm at right now um but um it was just so interesting to like not talk about not 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 necessarily not necessarily skip over the mr dark um arc but to really more focus on like that there was somebody behind geppetto that there was like this actual adversary behind it all and then the fact that they have tink as their little companion it's like is this yeah. what i really think it is or who they're alluding <laughs> to <laughs> yeah because uh, even then because when you think of like in, in the initial the first half of the uh, series is like the adversary you would not think that the, the adversary was in the end kind of a good guy but um, but anyway, uh, that's like like to open up with that. That was very very fucking cool, like uh, interesting, and the fact that it, it is being opened up to Mondays because obviously they can't hide it. That was the whole point where it all came crumbling down. They were like, "We need to get the fuck out because there's no way we're gonna explain this shit to the cops." So let's all go. Um, and yeah, the Jack of the Green is a very interesting character. I'm loving how she's or this new person, this new character, is just stepping up to to this to fill in this role. And I love that she actually confronts like the original Jack the of the original. Green. Yeah. And then the cliffhanger is just being like, I'm waiting to see to confirm who that is um, specifically. I, I I need yeah. to follow. I need to read the whole series to remind myself who exactly died like that 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 brutally, especially because like who they ask for. Yeah, I um I have a pretty good idea, but yeah, we'll get we'll get into that next issue, I'm sure. Because because like there's a clue with like the thing that's like there in front of her with like what the item is, but it's like did that really happen? Or I'm trying to remember how that happened. If it is who I think it is, yeah. We'll see. Again, I think next issue we'll know more. So, mm-hmm. I'll next have book. Be done by that anyway, too. Yeah. Next book, Duo Number One. This is one of the new milestone books. Oh, nice. Um, so this cover. Yeah. Fucking dyke. gorgeous. Dyke Absolutely Ron. gorgeous. Yeah. Um, he's the man. Written by Greg Pack. Pencil by Koi Pham. Uh, inked by Scott Hanna. Color by Chris Sotomayor. And letter by Janice Chang. Um, do you know anything about Duo? No. Okay. So it's a young couple who's engaged and uh, they're both scientists and they come up with this 
these nanobots basically that can recover organic life. They can like heal, they can, you know, remove disease, stuff like that, but they can't quite program them yet. They're trying to figure out how to do it. And, um, they're, they're explaining to the guy in charge of it. And he's just like, basically he's, he's a bad guy and he wants to use it for evil things, you know, typical industrialist shit. Well, they get attacked in the middle of the night by some bad guys. And, Basically, uh, they bust into the nanobots. It opens up, and this is the the husband or the the man. They're not married; they're engaged. He's like getting attacked by them, torn apart. Right. So the girl puts on the headset that enables her to tell them what to do uh-huh. to try to save him. So what she does is, in order to restore his body, she lets them use her body. <gasps> Oh, shit. She sacrifices her body to restore his. Oh. So he wakes up from a coma. He's back. He realizes the nanobots are still inside of him. They can control them. Mm-hmm. And he starts hearing a voice in his head, and it's her. She's in his head with him. That's why they're called Duo. Mm-hmm. And he realizes he has like superpowers and stuff now. So imagine Firestorm if you couldn't separate. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, like that. Um, and then we get the reveal of the costume. Nice. Which looks sick as hell. Yeah. Like the best of early image. Like not the bad, but early image, the good right. early image. And yeah, it's just the two of them have to kind of work together. And the whole thing begins with like, how close do you want to be to the person you're closest to? You know? And it's like, do you want to spend every waking moment with them? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And share a body, and it's just really interesting. I really like it. It's going to be really good. I already nice. have good Greg Pak's amazing. So I mean, yeah, totally. Next up, Shadow War Zone number one. This is a brief anthology of four stories set in the Shadow War. Okay, which is the ongoing thing with Deathstroke and Talia and all them. Yes, uh, I'm not going to break them all down. I will say that there's a Black Canary story, which was pretty great. Um, there is a. Um, a Talia story, which is probably my favorite of them. There was a Batman Inc. story about the new Batman Inc. And mm-hmm. then there's a Harley story. So just kind of background for all the characters. They each have a different creative team, so it's a lot of different stuff. But um, yeah, it, it's really good. If you're good in the Shadow War, it'll definitely give you um, kind of like a background so, okay. of what you're looking into. So, Which brings us to our final DC book, Nightwing. Sway, did you get it? This is a bit, what? I got Nightwing, yeah. Oh, those, those those new set of variants. No, I did not get that one. Down, downward dog. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hot. Uh, so written by Bruno, or sorry, written by Tom Taylor, drawn by Bruno Redondo, colored by Adriana Lucas, and lettered by Wes Abbott. I really love the fact that they're still teaming up. Like he still has like like Superman there. Yeah. And the flash is still there. Like it's not like I'm here for a day and then I'm going to go back to my life. Like, no, there's no reason they can't still work together. I really like that bit of continuity. Um, also, uh, and I tweeted about this. Alfred is amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I made a tweet about how DC is finally writing, writing Alfred as good as he deserves. And he's dead. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, we get a we get a bit of John Kent. I love it. I love some John Kent. We get a typically amazing two page spread yes. as always. <laughs> um, just a really good book, and it kind of furthers the whole like 
thing going on with Nightwing and Bloodhaven. You know, it's all, it's all about the local stuff, not too big now, which I really like. Um, I also like the trickery of it all, like the guys that break in to try to wreck the place he set up. He pulled all their masks on so the camera will catch them and stuff. I thought that was cool. <laughs> and then we get the tease at the end that the Heartless Man is going to team up. And I, mm, this guy has been looming over this book for a long time. And he's been too quiet for a yeah. while. Or we've, we've had and, some events happen. And he's been too quiet. He's been planning. He's had, he's had a lot of ample time to plan. Yeah. So I think we're building to something really big. So yeah. Anything you want to add about that? Um, yeah. George's cameo. If I can. Oh yeah. Right. That, oh, like, also Ace the Bat Hound meeting Bite Wing was great. Oh God, yeah, that was so good. <laughs> no, I, I opened the book. And but yeah, like, George. Um, I, I love uh, I love the opening sequence, uh, like like the the classic dots and the comic comic sketch layout yeah. uh, and the background was really cool. And then for some reason, as I'm reading, I, I actually passed by like the credits. Uh, Nightwing created by Marv Wolfman and Juan uh, Perez, and I was like, oh, it just it just stood out this time. It's like obviously it just George just passed. I was like, maybe that's why. And I'm reading it. And of course, welcome to Haven, little like uh, block part that they yeah. had. And I see this pizza stand, Marvin George Pizza. I was like, oh, that's a cool touch. And then I see the person out the window waving at Nightwing and Nightwing wa- waving back. It's like, what a good yeah. little cameo. What a good little moment. Um, I-, I love this issue. I uh, love this book so much. Um, yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. I really enjoy it. So, <laughs> all right. Now we are going to go ahead and move on to Marvel. And our first book for Marvel is The Marvels, number 10. <laughs> written by Kurt Busiek, drawn by Yildare Sinar, colored by Guru UFX, and lettered by Simon Bolin. Um, I forgot this book was still going because it was like a month and a half or like two, three months before we'd seen it. A little bit, yeah. And it made it open with a hell of an opening. I know. Like, it's really like blew my mind it's like a it is like a whole new arc even though it's all one long story it's they kind of had a viet song and they're kind of doing you know something different now um and we're kind of like dealing with character moments again which i thought was really cool um lots of people get a chance to shine i think kevin got a cool moment which was fun i like that it kind of went back to him for this issue yeah warbird got a really couple great moments including a new display of power which was pretty sick (laughs) yeah I'm really hoping she becomes like a thing. I, I, I really me, me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's all just kind of like dealing with that. And then we get into a little bit of wink, wink, nudge, nudge <laughs> with the only standing building as a journey into mystery comics. <laughs> and we see this mysterious, uh, not bad guy. I don't even know what to call him. Threadneedle, who is basically like been behind all this stuff so far. And we're going to find out a little bit more about what's going on. So I thought it was cool. It was just more of a character development and like developing relationships like Iron Man with Kevin and stuff. I thought it was a pretty good issue, but nothing jumping out at me is super spectacular. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think Threadneedle, if, if I remember incorrectly, because he looks very similar. I, I thought he was like the, co- the collector's cousin or some shit like that. Yeah, something like that. So um, it's like obviously like a fence rider, like a cosmic fence rider like that. But, uh, but no, a, a good issue. Like, yeah. I like how this just this book just keeps going. Like there's really no almost like no end in sight, or you don't really see the horizon coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, you just keep getting these really cool gifts of like almost not no rules, but the very like the, the freedom of playing with these characters, of playing with these times uh, in this book is just it's, it has been really fun. Yeah, definitely. Next up, Marvel Voices Identity Number One. 
Uh, well, it's actually number two, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all one shots. Uh, so this is uh, for the uh, Asian American Pacific Islander population uh, voices. Uh, we got four stories, including uh, Secrets by Porn Sock Pachote mm-hmm. with Chris uh, Lee and Brian Valenza. Uh, Fool Me Twice by Sabir Perzada, Eric Coda, and Brian Reber. The Primeval Paradox by Jeremy Holtz, Zeke Arkezama, and Irma Navila. And While You Were Out by Emily Kim, Ricky Yagawa, and Sebastian Chang. The first one was a lot of fun because mm-hmm. it's two characters I actually very much enjoy. Obviously, I love Shang-Chi, uh, but Jimmy Woo is an <laughs> underrated character in Marvel. And I can't wait for them to actually do something with him because Randall Park was amazing. Playing yeah, he him. was really good. Give him his own show. Um, so... I thought this was cool. Um, obviously, the two of them are being held captive by a bad guy who's making them fight. Uh, typical kind of crossover thing where it's like the bad guy or the good guys have to fight each other. But then, of course, they're rescued by a, a team of ver- various heroes. Um, kind of like a put-together Agents of Atlas team, which I thought was a yeah. lot of fun. Um, I, I, again, anytime Amadeus Cho shows up, I'm going to be happy about it. Yeah, And also Luna Snow, which, by the way, I got the Luna Snow cover. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so I was I had to. Uh, there was that, and then there was a silk cover, and neither of them had a solo story. And the guy at my comic book store was upset. He's like, "They're my favorite characters," and I saw the covers and I got excited. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah." So, but yeah, that first story pretty fun. Second story was a Miss Marvel story about you know an old foe of hers and potentially. Oh, this one took me back. Yeah, because I was because um, I was there for for that. Like the, 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 he was uh, an arranged marriage boyfriend. Right. And uh, yeah. obviously he was a piece of shit. It was so it was so cool how she how she beats him because he goes he can solidify himself like that. You can't hurt him, but the fucker doesn't didn't know how to punch. He would he put his thumb on the inside of his fist and she just embiggens uh, her fist and just closes his and breaks his thumb. <laughs> fucking idiot. And we get to see Shang Chi and and Kamala together, which is really cool because you don't really get to see them together mm-hmm. i think that's kind of an interesting like team up and like i think it's I, I liked that i thought that was really cool yeah um the next one was um the mantis story which i really enjoyed actually and it actually i think this one actually had some impact on canon right because, Empire? because yeah because she actually found the last missing piece of herself mm-hmm uh, which is really cool. And her appearance changes because of it. Cause Mantis was separated into five pieces and she's been trying to find the pieces of herself to come back together in full. And she found her last piece, which was her inner child. Hmm. And, um, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that actually. So, and then of course, stealing the show in comics, just as he does in the MCU, Wong gets a solo story and it was amazing. <laughs> and he is the true hero and we should all bow down to Wong. Amazing. So, <laughs> Anything you want to add about any of them? Um, I, I think my favorite one. I, I, I thought the the shung, the first one was gonna be my favorite, but the Kamala Khan felt so personal. Like the the fool me twice over an X, like just felt so personal. I think because like yeah, they beat him. The and you're right. Like, there's no, there hasn't been like a, a team up with her and Shang Chi, and the fact that she just like opens to him and just starts like tearing to him and just like yeah, no, like we were in this we're in this uh, fucking together. I I think that one in the end just like really spoke out to me. Yeah. All right, which brings us very naturally to Iron Fist number three. Yes. Written by Alyssa Wong, dr- penciled by Michael Michael Yeech and Sean Chin, inked by Michael 
Victor Lozaba, Keith Champagne, Don Ho, colored by J. David Ramos, and lettered by Travis Lanham. Um, so I'm really enjoying this new Iron Fist. Dude, quite me a bit. fucking too. Um, I love I love what's what's being set up. I love the whole thing with the the sword shards. Mm-hmm. The thing he does at the end or halfway through <laughs> yes. was gangster as shit. <laughs> so like, badass. Um, I really, really enjoy it, and I, I'm loving this character. And of course, we get an appearance by two amazing characters oh, on the last page. Yes, that gives me so much hype for this series. I will say this is the first issue we did not see Danny Rand, and I did miss him. And you did or didn't? I did. Oh, you did. I do want Danny involved in this story. Oh, me I too. Think it's important. So, but everything but, involved in this issue is like it made me. It did make me forget about. It, to be honest, because this is very much. Lynn Lee's fucking book. We, yeah, right. What he what he does with the shards, like shit. The danger came here to take the the shards I've been collecting. Sucks. Cool. <laughs> fucking take them then. Over my dead. Oh body. my god, that was so cool. I think that that's for sure. What like Dan, Danny who like not for like forget it forever, but yeah. like just for this issue. And then to just top it, I was like, cool. You're already impressed with the guy. Let's give you all the continuity y'all really want. And the two characters that show up, you're like, fucking cool. <laughs> Well, I think they're there on Danny Rand's behalf. That'd be really cool. That'd be that'd so, be hell awesome. Yeah, but I was kind of like, I want to check in with Danny because I really <laughs> want this to be a a Danny teaches him about the Iron Fist kind of thing. Ooh, okay. But he, but, I, want, but, I want that kind of kind of like with Power Man and Power Man. You know sure. what I mean? Like, so I, I'd like that too. At least for 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 Lynn to hone in on the Iron Fist. I've been just really liking how he's been adapting to having. Uh, the Iron Fist, but working with the shards. I, I love his his adaptability to to just like making it different. So I'm hoping it does it does come. But he's just been owning it. He just he's so cool. Yeah, he's great. I'm really and I love the art. I love the action. It's really Same. good. So next up, Eternals twelve. I got the scroll variant. Ooh, nice. So it's scroll Cersei. Yeah. Um, hopefully caught up on Eternals finally. Uh, written by Karen Gillan, art drawn by Asad Ribic, colored by Matt Wilson, letter by Clayton Cowles. Hail Thanos, the finale. So you caught up on the Avengers and the Eternal struggle that's <laughs> yeah. going on. Cersei just um, taking a chill. <laughs> I love that. She's just like, I'm hot, you're hot, you just want to sit this one out, basically. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, all right. Um, but of course, in the background of this is the Thanos thing going on with Droog. Um, I love movie droog so much that i have a hard time with comic droog now i know it's gonna be i know because there's gonna be a yeah. it's not the same bridge it's, it's not the same, same character, character. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine i mean you have multiple versions of a character i'm not one of those people so mm-hmm. i do like that we we brought the robson stuff to the close with with icarus yeah i thought that was a really cool ending to it and it was also very bittersweet because she doesn't know the full story right but I thought that was really cool. But now we know that Droog, they were able to stop Thanos. Let's just stop. Let's throw that out there. <laughs> this is grotesque. For now, yeah. until he gets the Infinity Hammer, as we've seen in the flashes of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he is the lead Eternal. And what does he do? He makes a scan for excess deviation. Hey, what's that big island over there? Lots of deviants there. It's called Krakoa, sir. The capital of the mutants, they've recently expanded to Mars. How shocking. Deviants on Mars. Now, that sounds like the definition of an excess deviation to me. Uh, oh, we're head first downhill towards it. <laughs> I'm so curious to see what's going to happen. 
especially with what we saw in the uh, in the recent past of the Eternals losing control when they sense an excess deviation in the free comic book day issue. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So they might not even have a choice, right? You know, they, so, they just need to be convinced into it at this point because, like, they've been around. If he's, if he's the if he's the prime Eternal, can he just tell them it is? And they yeah. have to trust him? Like, it automatically triggers something? Like, they have to be listening to him just because he has Prime? Oh, God. Yeah. So I'm wondering how it it'll be play really, out, because... I'm really excited. We're going to see some really cool, unique matchups. Right. It's just like, I'm so curious if it'll be, like, the Avengers just being stuck in the middle. Like, I wonder if this will be, like, if we all find out. Like, if the Avengers find out yeah. the Krakoa Resurrection Protocols while also finding out how the machine works with their resurrection, and maybe the Maybe the mutants have to work on a deal where it's like, we won't be that much of a bad guys if we resurrect all the people that have died on their side. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe that's something, again, with the Gwen Stacy cover. Yeah, right? Okay. So, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. We'll, we won't theorize too much. But, <laughs> um, I really liked it. I also love the whole thing with Sprite and Quasar Baby. <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> Just like, yeah, we were having a sleepover. <laughs> like, I love that, like, right? literally... Well, he's star brand technically, but yeah, Quasar had the star brand for also oh, okay. Quasar baby. But I love the idea that between Cersei and Namor and the two of them, there were just two legit combatants on both sides that are just chilling, <laughs> like, and, and taking like, care of like the act, maybe like the quote, uh, arguably the powerhouses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're good. Uh, so yeah. Next up, Savage Avengers number Ooh. one. I loved this book. Um, written by David Popose. Nice. Art by Carlos Magno. Colored by Espen Grutenjern. And letter by Travis Lanham. Uh, I love this because it's one of those stories that it's not like a group is brought together to do a thing. Mm-hmm. They're just thrown together by chance. Okay. I love teams like that. So in this case, we have a Deathlock that has come back to take out Conan, the Barbarian. And he's in modern time, and he's fighting uh, fighting bad guys. And then, um, meanwhile, uh, Flash Thompson, as Anti-Venom, is hanging out with Elektra as Daredevil. Nice. And so they're just, he's like, hey, I need your help with something. And it's just like, she's like, oh, yeah, what's going on? And then we cut over, and um, Weapon H is just trying to live his normal life, and some dude tries to roll him. So he basically hulks out, pulls out the Wolverine claws, right? Yeah. Um, and then Black Knight, Dane Whitman, sees a guy getting threatened, runs to save him, and runs into Weapon H. Ooh. So, um, which for those who don't know, Weapon H is Wolverine plus Hulk. <laughs> yeah. So, which is ridiculous. So that's happening. And then Cloak and Dagger are talking. And first of all, the art is amazing, but. They're using the same effect for Moon Knight for Dagger's light constructs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That shimmery lunar look. There's no black There's no out, black outline to it. It's just light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. And then the art for it's just like, look, look at Cloak's cloak. Oh, just it's just going true dark. And then check out the new look for, da- for Dagger. With the hair. Oh, I fucking love that. Right? And the earrings and stuff. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, really good look. I love it. Um, so they're just hanging out, basically. And what happens is Deathlock starts to fight Conan. The others just kind of converge because some shit's going down. 
Uh, they're fighting Deathlock. They cut off his arm, which is what controls his time travel mechanism. And then they're sent back in time. And they're back in Conan's world. The Hyberian Age. So the entire team has been sent back there. So it's going to be kind of like a we're forced to team up kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Also, that's the cover for the next one. I'm pretty sure that's Devil Dinosaur. Oh, sick as fuck. So, so I'm very excited about that, too. So uh, really cool. I really enjoyed it uh, so far. I love the again. I love when a team is just thrown together mm-hmm. and just has to be together because, you know, you think about it like, why would Weapon H be there? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Why would Cloak and Dagger join into the group? They're v- notoriously not group people. You know what I mean? Like, so I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really well done. And I love David's writing. So I, I'm very excited. I'm curious to see what's going to happen now that they lost the rights to Conan. Maybe they'll have to kill him off. Yeah, write him off, maybe. Yeah, or they they leave him behind there. I would kill him off because then, like, what what's the next company going to do? <laughs> you killed him. <laughs> like, you have to retcon. Uh, so, but yeah, we'll see. And maybe they'll work out some deal. We'll see. So, next up, Thor twenty five. Yes. Part of the ongoing Hulk versus Thor Banner of War uh, Part 2. Written by Donny Cates, drawn by Martin Coccolo, colored by Matt Wilson, and lettered by Joe Sabino. Uh, yeah, it's a fight between Hulk and Thor. It's exactly what you imagined. Uh, and, and it continues from where it was. A lot of this takes place in the command ship mm-hmm. for the Hulk, for Starship Hulk with Odin talking to Banner, which I thought was really cool. And we actually get to see what happened in El Paso. It was El Paso, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty brutal. It's, uh, I mean, you could argue he didn't have a choice to do what he did, but also it was kind of a choice to do it that way, I suppose. Um, But yeah, Hulk definitely killed a bunch of people. That definitely (laughs) happened. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Iron Man's like, oh, Thor found Hulk. We're trying to take him out. I'm going to try out my new gadget. I'm like, oh, God, what did he do? Well, if you remember in King and Black, Tony took control of a dead celestial. <laughs> Tony Stark, this dumbass, oh. turned a celestial into a giant suit of Iron Man armor. Celestial Hulkbuster is what it's called. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where we're going we're gonna to leave it off, which I thought was really just fantastic. So this dumbass <laughs> enters the fray. Yeah, I hope they just obliterate him and then go back to fighting. Like That'd he's not gonna just like punch a hole in the middle and then climb his way up through the inside. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I did uh, love the beginning also... though. The the oh, to- I love the beginning. Tony just like explains like, oh, I know, I know how I got this information, and he was rambling off about satellites and how they can sense like space that we've been to that we've detected and space that we haven't detected. And I'm literally like, really? <laughs> and you turn the page and read kind of gives like the the nicest. You're really? You're that smart? <laughs> no, no, I just made all that shit up. I have no idea how any of this shit works. <laughs> the Ravens told me. <laughs> the Ravens, yeah. Uh, good, good ish. Uh, God, um, it, it, it has been a good uh, uh, beat em up uh, arc. Yeah. There's also two backup stories, one of which is about the Enchantress, which I thought was really good, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, it's from the. It's, it's written by Tom DeFalco, I believe, mm-hmm. and Ron Friends, but it's very much feels like a Simonson era story. Nice, which was really cool because that was the era when Scourge was a main character, and yeah, it literally opens up with him. Stuff, so, and then the last backup story is by Nadia Shamas, and it's literally an adaptation of Thor's Wedding, which we just did in Norse mythology. 
Oh. And now it's another version of it, but they adapted to the Marvel version. So instead of, I think it was Freya, the giant wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. And this, he wanted to marry Angela. Oh. And she's like, absolutely not, basically. <laughs> so made Thor cross-dress in that case. So oh, that was pretty fun. So next up, Star Wars, Dr. Afro were traveling to a galaxy far, far away for uh, writing by Alyssa Wong, art by Minkyu Jung, color by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettering by Joe Caramagna. Um, we're building to a crescendo in this where they have the temple with all the, the dark, dark, uh, side energy and stuff. They're trying to, to get it and harness it. It's, uh, it's Afra and then like the, the, um, person that she went to school with that's been competing with her. And then one of the teachers who was a twilight, I believe, uh, they're all kind of like trying to go over it. Well, during this. Afra gets stabbed through the chest Ooh. by a beam of energy. Oh, whoa, shit. And she falls over. She falls onto the altar dead. She's a doctor. She'll bounce back. <laughs> Not that kind of doctor. She's a doctor like Indiana Jones is a doctor. Uh, <laughs> but then the, the there's like tentacles coming out of the altar. Yeah. And it picks her up and suddenly she heals. And it says, you're not Afra," And says, no, I am eternity. Whoa. Oh, so I think she's possessed by like dark force and dark, dark side yeah. energy. Uh-huh. So we'll see where that's going. That's been a lot of fun. That's, very, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we're going to swing over to the streets of New York for a little bit of eight-legged adventure. Josue, talk to me about Venom Lethal Protector number two. Uh, yeah, a little throwback book. Um, Venom Lethal Protector is a throwback book because it's uh, written by David Michelini. Uh, artist by Ivan Fiorelli, uh, colored by Brian Valenza, and lettered by Travis Lanham. So Venom got Eddie. Eddie got fucked up last time with uh, by Humbug. I think Blood Blood Spider, and I forget who the other guy is. But again, like D E list villains in the in the Spider Rogues. Uh, now after Venom, and Venom's freaking out because like he's holding on to part of the symbiote, and he's like, "Oh, don't be dead, buddy," because it's just it hasn't been reacting. Um, but then um, he gets next to like a. A little furnace because like he's he's been kind of naked and and he probably wants to keep it warm. He opens up a little furnace and a little spark comes out and it burns the symbiote and it basically reacts as a defibrillator to the symbiote so it can start talking to him again and it's it's okay now. Uh, back to again like the the villains that I mentioned. Uh, Humbug is like still kind of sneaking around. He's trying to get back to his place, but the cops are all there because they kind of found him out too over the step last time. But anyway, as as Eddie's trying to look for, uh, gather information on what's going on, he runs into because like everybody's out for everybody's out for Eddie. Um, Hydro Man pops up from like all the puddles around New York. He's been he's been leaving puddles everywhere. And so so because he's been on the lookout for Eddie. Um, Eddie can't really fight him because um, he just, he can't fight water. So he so he finds a, a detergent truck and turns Hydro Man into Soap Man. And starts, and then gets a a nail gun and starts popping him away. And basically, Hydra Man thinks he's gonna die that way, so he just like, <laughs> so he just like, basically drowns, like goes away into like into like a sewer drain. And he's like, "Well, oh, this is embarrassing." <laughs> so I guess that's one way to be Hydra Man. God, I'm so glad that Carnage is possessing him now. <laughs> it's using him for good use now. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Blood Spider and the other guys basically like an offshoot, like a like a. 
like a poor man's taskmaster is, is, is who he is. I I can't find his name. Um, but they basically get get humbugged to be like, oh, you should work with us. But like, but basically they're just gonna like try to get him to take the fall for everything uh, to to find Eddie. Eddie uses like an old source uh, to get information, like an old uh, news source to get information on what's going on. And then he still looks, he's still, he's still looking up his ex and he finds out that Anne is, is going to marry uh, Alan James Hoffman. And obviously that's already, it's already messing with his emotions. He gets caught on the spot. <laughs> he gets caught on the spot by like the dude he's using his sources from. Cause he's like, he's just kind of, he trespassed into this office and the guy's like, Oh shit, you're the monster now. And then he, yeah, he transforms into fucking venom and it's like, you're the traitor. So, but he leaves before he can do it. He can kill him or anything. Uh, he runs, he runs into fucking humbug. Right, right before the end and instead of like fighting they're about to fight it out um he kind of gives a story being like no like this company that i was working for like i basically all my funds got shut down i was trying to make the world a better place through like like science through but through bugs uh because it's, it's basically how he's been kicking venom's ass by like like having all these like cool bug uh gadgets i actually have the first appearance of humbug really that's awesome yeah, so, so, okay, so very, you know, very vividly. I'm very familiar with Humbug, unfortunately. <laughs> Excellent, so you know what he's all about. So uh, so Venom takes pity to him, being like, yeah, okay, so you basically got fucked over, too. I'm not I'm not going to kill you. I'm not, I'm not going to, like, beat you up or anything. And that's when um, uh, Blood Spider uh, comes out with a kind of, uh, yeah, a, a flamethrower. But then Venom's spidey senses kick in, and he webs the flamethrower, <laughs> And it blows up on Spider Bucks, uh, sp- uh, Blood Spider's face, um, so he died. And then, kind of humbug, basically takes like one last desperation act of desperation, and he has like he's been planning with planning with all these like bo- like all these bombs around his chest. And he's got to detonate, but uh, Venom goes through his little circuit board. He le- electrifies himself, doesn't feel it, and sends it over to Humbug. So all the all the devices just like. Um, pop so, so, uh, so they become duds and ends up finding a new meaning to, uh, to life so he's he's gonna be okay <laughs> um so that's kind of what happened in this in this issue there's like a little humbug focus nice. one nice all right second spidey book spider punk 2 yes i also got the scroll cover for this one. Oh, that's a cool oh, okay that's a cool cover i, yeah, I, I did I know, finally hop right? on board <laughs> nice i'm very happy you did written by cody ziglar art by justin mason colored by jim charlampaitis and letter by travis lanham so in the last issue we were introduced to the taskmaster uh in this world who teams up with uh with um craven the hunter Mm -hmm. and to fight the spidey band and they fight and it's great and then (laughs) who shows up to help but kamala khan once again showing up with a big fucking brass knuckles that say embiggen on them which i thought was amazing but why is the m upside down no it's not but it's like normal. yeah it would flip it over and it's a w yeah but everything else is upside down too it's just backwards yeah okay oh no but all the all the, never mind all the letters don't don't matter because they're like that kind of letter never mind yeah they are all actually flippable except for the n but yeah yeah it's, it's so. only backwards that's right okay yeah okay so She's got a really cool look. She's like got her clothes are all ratted up. She's got a flannel tied around her waist. And most importantly, she has an axe, aka actually a base. It's a base, yeah. Slinged around her back. Awesome look. And she joins the fight. And as oh, Spider-Man she's got says, the big fingers, so she can just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Band one, two, three, four, and the fight kicks off. 
really cool fight. Lots of fun. I love the the cartoons that these bad guys are. Mm-hmm. Where Taskmaster's like, money's not right later. <laughs> like it just bounces. I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense. And basically, they find out, hey, all these there's all these Osborne technology caches. We need to go destroy them. So we're going on tour. And so I love that they leave. Um, what was it? Is it Ben Banner? I think it's Ben. I can't remember his name, but he's the Hulk of the group. And they're like, you're the only one who could protect our base while we're gone. He's like, true. So like, he leaves right, like leaving behind. But the rest of them are going um, on their tour. Spider-Man in the Spider-Van driving cross country as fast as they can. <laughs> and I'm very excited. This was a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see what they get into. Um, I'm also excited because of this cover oh, with this punk-ass daredevil. Yes. So, I really enjoyed this. What do you think? Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's a very fun issue. Uh, I'm so glad that this is happening with like them going on tour because yeah, that preview. That's all I fucking needed. Like this dare, like the, it's a dare, daredevil, punk dog daredevil, and it's a drummer with the sticks because you need the fucking Billy clubs. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I I really think it's great. I love this book. So next up, the finale of Silk, oh. number five. It was always a mini, so that's good. Uh, this has been selling really well. That's good. By the way. So we should see more Silk soon. Written by Emily Kim, art by Takeshi Miyazawa, color by Ian Herring, and letter by Ariana Mayer. So, of course, she's fighting the Korean witch who drained her life, and now she's like an old lady. Long story short, the Korean witch has a MacGuffin, a necklace on, and if she rips the necklace off, she'll get her youth back, which she does. And I just got to say again, I just love Silk's costume. Yeah. Her design is just fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so good. Um, So she defeats the evil Korean witch and kicks her back in time, basically. The best part is um, J. Jonah Jameson, who loves Silk, mind you, it's the opposite of how he feels about Spider-Man, yeah. is there and films the whole thing on his phone. And so Threats and Menaces gets an exclusive <laughs> and they get all these clicks and everybody's like, it's like... um. Jonah's like, Derek, read me the stats one more time. He goes, clicks are up 62% from yesterday. Currently highest amount of traffic of any news site. And why is that? Because we got the only footage of Silk's epic fight. Ha! (laughs) Just goes to show can't keep a good journalist down. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, back to work! So yeah, like, I love the way Jonah is in this book. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it, it sets up a good future for Silk. And you find out she's actually because she she never spoke Korean. She doesn't know how to speak Korean. Oh, okay. So you find out she actually enrolled in a Korean class to learn how to speak Korean. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It's the second mini in a row, and from what I heard, they both sold pretty good. So I hope we get an ongoing or a team up or something. Yeah, we'll see. So appearances now, not necessarily like live action, but like cartoons and shit. Yeah, get her rolling. All right, now we're gonna take an extended vacation to Krakoa. Ooh, extensive. We have seven X books of some sort. So we're going to go through them. Oh, wait, did you read all of these? Uh, I believe so. Okay, we'll start with Wolverine Patch. Yes. Number two. I got a variant cover. Nice. I thought Wolverine looked gangster as fuck. Hell yeah. So, uh, written by Larry Hama, penciled by Andrea DeVito, inked by LeBeau Underwood, colored by Sebastian Chang, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Uh, this, of course, takes place... Um, in I was it was outside of Madripoor, yeah. And um the thing I really like about this book is it's a throwback to the old Wolverine books where you can just 
be violent and bloody yeah and just eviscerate people and sometimes i need that for my wolverine it's not what i need all the time but sometimes i just need it and i thought this is done really really well it's introducing a whole bunch of characters it's also really like cold war era political Mm -hmm. which was always fun with wolverine where even the people you like like fury you don't you don't necessarily think you should trust you know what i mean like so um but i thought it was really cool and it's all about these whole community of mutants that we don't know about we thought it was just two of them when we realized there's probably like a whole community is what it sounds like so um but yeah really cool i really enjoyed this uh what do you think uh my my highlight for me for this book is uh remembering remembering how much i'm getting out of nick fury because i'm i missed the shit out of this nick fury so much we kind of said that he's like been gone because it's like the, like the way he's been kind of written off of the mu but fucking hey, do you I should read fantastic four oh shit nice He's the Watcher's Watcher. That's right. That's right. I know he's rolling out that way, but he's just being <laughs> kept cosmically away. Yeah, uh, I but I miss this Nick Fury that's always been that has has his nose in everything, everywhere, at all times. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this book. Yeah. Next up, another Wolverine book, twenty one. I got another variant cover. Oh, this is one I couldn't read because it didn't get uploaded. Oh, that's right. I remember one of the codes didn't go through. So, um. So this one, written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Adam Kubert, colored by Frank Martin, and letter by Corey Petit. To be honest, it it's good, but it's not like you missed the biggest thing in the world. Oh, it was a follow up um, to the Deadpool thing. I just want to know about that. It's a dead. It's the Deadpool team up continuing. Basically, they have the briefcase mm-hmm. and they handcuffed it to both of them so that they can't get away from each other. They have to work together. It's like one of those things. But it also flashes back a lot, like when Deadpool goes to visit Weasel to get his old buddy Weasel to get some technology. Before this, it's a flashback. Mm-hmm. He runs into Maverick, who's freshly freed by Wolverine. Yeah. And like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, man, how's the Merc life? He's like, hey, you know, it's cool. Be nice, your own boss. Work for hire. Can be a real bitch. You know, <laughs> just like, yeah, later. And so that's just like just a quick Maverick intro. Um, Weasel, of course, doesn't trust Deadpool, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, of course, it's building up the conflict with danger. That's right. They're yeah, that's to- it. Yeah. Yeah, they're about to fight danger. Deadpool tries to teleport them away, figures out Weasel betrayed him. His teleporting out to teleports him into an adamantian cell. Oh. And we find out that Maverick and Weasel are working together to get the, the case from them. Fucking bitch. They open the case and they see they say, well, whatever it is, we're gonna sell the shit out of it. Uh, what? Yeah, that looks like Danger's head. Danger's head. Helmet, yeah, hel- they just the original, the, the original. Oh, ooh, because she looks different. Remember after she came out of the chrysalis, yeah, in astonishing. So I think that's her original one, or maybe just a copy. We'll see. But because looks like a helmet right cool. now, but yeah, holy shit, yeah, I liked it a lot. So next up, not quite a Krakoan book, but definitely Krakoan adjacent. The excellent number three, <laughs> written by Peter Milliken, drawn by Michael Allred, colored by Laura Allred, and letter by Nate Picos. Um, of Blamot, that is. Uh, <laughs> we get to meet Zeitgeist's new team members, which is Stripe, who has power over all things Stripey, <laughs> and Fluff, <laughs> who can generate bucket loads of lint and fuzz and vary its chemical composition, and has the single worst outfit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, the worst name. <laughs> you know, kid in My Hero with belly button laser? Yeah. Miles cooler than this character. 
This dude, because it comes out of his belly button, he has to have his shirt open all the way to the belly button. <laughs> and it looks terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. I know it's supposed to. That's fine. But yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of like a setup issue in kind of like building the conflict. Um, I love the introduction of Girl Joe. Yes. That was a fun thing that happened. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I just hate Zeitgeist so much. Like, Sometimes I'm, it's just really hard to enjoy it because it's about him. I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, it's, it, it's almost like, oh, that's why it, ha- it had to happen back in, X, in X-Force. I mean, ecstatics yet. Like why he had to go in the first issue because he didn't want to tell his story. But maybe two kept pestering about it. He's like, cool. Y'all want a Zeitgeist book? I'll give y'all fucking Zeitgeist. Y'all didn't want to meet him. I didn't want y'all to meet him. And now y'all now we are. And it is <laughs> the worst decision ever. It's he is also, terrible. This is the worst, least effective pool I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so stupid looking and I love it. But it's obviously like a really ham fisted metaphor intentionally, which I love. Yeah. Like, oh. Um but yeah, we start to see con- conflict between the different teams on both sides, which I thought was really cool. And we're going to see what's going to happen. Um, I liked the issue. I had a cameo by Doctor Strange. I love Doctor Strange done by Michael Allred. I love mm-hmm. that look. I think he does a really good job. So, And Fluff is ridiculous, and I hate him. <laughs> so, I love that just because Miles got uh, really, really, really hurt. He didn't stay yeah. gone. He's just constantly in some hyperactive Traction. contraption <laughs> cocoon. It's just so funny. Yeah. It's like, oh, what happened to him? He's like, I'm still here. He's fine. <laughs> it's like the Monty Python sketch. Yeah. <laughs> so, next up, X-Force 28. I got really excited and thought this was Juggernaut. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Juggernaut's there. Yay. I'm such an idiot. Okay. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Robert Gill, colored by Guru EFX, and letter by Jakara Magna. Um. Yeah, so we got basically one of the uh, Cerebro helmets has become <laughs> sentient. It's become sentient. Of course it has, and it starts eating heads and taking powers. <laughs> um, which, it's kind of hard to tell exactly who some of them are. Um, I was able to identify a couple, I think. Let me let me go back to it. Um, Havoc was <laughs> one, Havoc, definitely. God damn it. Of course. Um, I couldn't, because I don't know the design... I didn't know who this was. Uh, I would say that's that's Polaris because it, it's green, and then later on taking control of oh, uh, Wolverine. Sense. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, I'm colorblind, so that didn't jump out at me. Um, we find out Quentin Quire's de- uh, like uh, experimenting with his powers, where he's having the five make copies of mutants that he can then psionically control and throw at people. Where now he's pushing the the Q meter. Like there there are people I want to see Quentin. So now you're kind of fucking hey. up the Q here. Hey. He's seen Beast abuse his power, and he's like, well, fuck it. I might as well, too. I know. So, so can the X-Force just, like, maybe, like, chill the fuck out? Also, we get, like, a vague Omega Red and possible redemption arc, which is really yes. cool. Yeah. And also, Sage gets a pretty good speech, and Sage is one of my favorite X-Men, so I was very happy to see that. That, that honesty? Yeah, I really love that. I love the scene. Yeah. Also, I love that the entire time the Cuckoos did everything in unison yeah the entire time they're in the book which i thought was really cool um and i love that they're keeping up one of them's wearing white at all times you know it's mm-hmm. really cool and then it's like you know the whole threat like if it gobbles up the wrong mutant yeah, or if it gets the wrong mutant gobble up all Krakow and it's just cruising towards black tom <laughs> like, and i'm like yeah that that would suck that would suck a lot so 
Um, good stuff. I'm, I love the arc we're having. It's kind of like a cool threat. Yeah, like uh, I, I like that this book is constantly just like it's like nonstop action, but it's like it's it still matters to like like they're really dealing with stuff to take care of Krakoa. It's paradise, yeah, but it, it's usually coming at cost, and this one team is just always there to take care of it. And I also got this variant cover, another post. Yes, one oh, that's a cool way. one. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, we're over halfway done with the with the Kirkland books. <laughs> Next up, New Mutants number twenty five. Yes. Uh, oh man, whole new arc. Part of me wanted to save this one for last. Honestly, I didn't put too much thought into the order this year, this week. No. Written by Vida Ayala, drawn by Rod Reese and John Dorsima, colored by Red Ruth Redmond, uh, letter by Travis Lanham. New arc, magic, basically saying I am sick and tired of being tied to to um limbo i don't want to be the queen of limbo anymore i want to give it to madeline Pryor, and everybody's like that's a terrible fucking idea do you remember <laughs> the last remember? time she was queen? <laughs> and she's like oh so you just want me to be tortured my entire life basically uh, i do like it that she's like no we're gonna make a plan we're gonna make a deal and she's going to stick to the deal and i like that it gives madeline kind of a direction mm-hmm. you know because she's back now and i want to see her do something so um I thought it was really cool. Uh, I love the art for this book. There's also like, because I mentioned a second artist, there's like a storybook that's going on. Yes. And like uh, uh, some flashbacks, which I thought was really cool. So um, obviously Danny and uh, Wolfsbane are not supportive of the idea, but will support magic no matter what. This is obviously the kickoff to a new arc that I'm really excited about. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good kickoff. It's a, it's a solid story to tell or like to, to really go from, uh, from where kind of where we left off, or for the new uh, new mutants book in this era, I like where we're going because it, it 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 everything always matters here in Krakoa, and this whole new decision is like it felt very personal because it is like towards magic, um, and maybe she yeah she just wants to maybe focus on other things on Krakoa for her future that doesn't have to tie into Limbo because yeah she's so done with that shit part of her past and wants to completely let it go and. It's just such an interesting take that for her to just, of all people, pick Madeline Pryor. Um, but yeah, re- really, really cool. Uh, and it's like I love her design and the, the storybook, uh, the storybook part of it. Like it's just such a cute uh, model of her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, and then a couple number two, starting with X Men Red number two. Um, our favorite brotherhood of mutants organization <laughs> written by al ewing colored by stefano caselli colored by federico b and blee and lettered by Corey petit uh so we see how brand has formed her own x-men for for erico because she's stupid and doesn't understand that's not what they want and of course we have the brotherhood formed by storm and magneto uh, which is really cool. I like that they're going to conflict because they're like, we understand what Erica wants. What they respect is us, not you, basically. Um, there's a couple things in here that I really liked. Um, I love that Manifold's like, fuck you, I'm out. First yes. of all, he's not stupid. I really, I really appreciated him not being dumb. I also appreciated that they answered the question about Vulcan with Sway and Petra. Dude. Because, like, he's losing his fucking mind. They are going to come back. They're in the queue now. Yeah. But they were constructs of his mind, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I did think, remember when we first saw them, I was kind of like, they're awfully, like, like, servant girl to him. Yeah, right. And I thought that was weird. So I, I do like that we got that resolved. Um, 
And <laughs> I, I really liked a lot of this book, to be honest. It was a really, really good book. Uh, I loved Vulcan and Storm coming face to face and her fucking taking him down. <laughs> He's talking about a fire and then her comparison to a hurricane. <laughs> and then the best part of this book. And it's funny because this is supposed to make us hate him. But Abigail Brand recommends Vulcan gets on the Erico Council. And how? He's got to kill somebody on the council. <laughs> Who's he going to kill? Tarn the Uncaring. Do they think we're going to be sad Tarn the Uncaring's going to die? Nope. That guy's an asshole. <laughs> like, we know why. Why? Not even how. Like, we know how, but we know why he is the worst. Oh, the fucking worst. worst. He's the only person that could put up against Sinister and we cheer for Sinister. Because like, <laughs> yes. like, that, that happened. Because that happened. That's literally the plot. So. I'm like, good. <laughs> like, I, good. I want the bad guys to win this one. <laughs> I, I, I hate how stupid Vulcan is, where it's like, uh, well, who is he? Tarn the Uncaring. No. Tarn the Dead. <laughs> yeah. She said unliving. <laughs> like, it would have got, no, there should have been another page where she's like, you're going to go Tarn the Dead? Like, yeah, what do you think? She's like, I would have said Tarn the Unliving. He's Anything. Like, Fuck, that would have been good. <laughs> like, and then that's the book ending. Like, oh man, I should have used that. If anyone asks, I said I'm living. She's like, all right. <laughs> that's the, <end laughs> of the book. Like, I'd love that. So, anyways. Uh, yeah, uh, th- there's so many highlights to this book. Uh, yeah, uh, fucking. To, not Gateway. God damn, why, why am I blanking on his name? Him, him Manifold. Call, Manifold. Him, always, uh, him calling out Brand was just definitely something I needed because mm-hmm. Brand is just like, maybe, the, yeah, maybe this is her like plan in her plan, just like to take care of Tarn. But oh, I'm glad that other people in the room heard the questioning and maybe they can also just question the situation too. Like like Frenzy. Like Frenzy. It was way too good to be just pulled into a, a scheme like this. Yes. That's the one I was kind of like, I hope she gets some moment later on. So, uh, But yeah, it's, but Storm, st- God damn, Storm is just fucking incredible. Yeah. Which brings us to Immortal X-Men, which also featured Storm and Magneto this week. I got the cover A, obviously. Yes. But if you thought I was not going to pick up this cover. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, uh, let's get a zoom in on really? that. Really? Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely picked up that cover. Um, all right. So creative team written by Karen Gillen, drawn by Lucas Wernick, colored by David Curiel, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, so, of course, this is the book that's all about the Quiet Council. And but this issue really was about hope and about how she was chosen over Celine and she kind of has to prove herself. Um, there's also a great moment where Sinister proves himself, <laughs> which was really cool, actually. It was pretty dope. And he had a great moment with Nightcrawler, which is great. Um, also, we can kind of see how like the 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 foundation of the uh, Quiet Council is crumbling because Emma obviously doesn't trust Charles anymore. So she does the whole, to me, my quiet counsel <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, mocking like, it, yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just a lot of like little political moves. I love Hope in this issue. She's so good. And I miss Hope doing things and not just being part of the five. Yeah. So like the whole thing with Celine, like Oh, her you, shot? <laughs> Destiny being like, she's going to be by this window at this exact moment. And her taking Magic's teleportation disc, teleporting, shooting... While falling, killing Selene, and teleporting back before she lost the powers. Fucking great. Like, what? As far as the mutants go, only her and Domino could probably make the shot. And Cable, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, basically. So really, really dope. And then, of course, they dealt with Celine as well, in a way. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Yeah, and then and then we get like an ominous warning about destiny, something something coming forward. So obviously, we have another threat coming. But I'm really enjoying this. I love the soap opera aspect of, aspect of it. I love that Sinister is really involved, and in a way, we're not really sure what to think of it yet. Like, yet. It, it's definitely the most Hickman of the books right now. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it definitely feels like the early Kirkone where there's a lot of mystery still and he's not telling us everything. Yeah. This definitely feels like that. So uh, anything um, else you want to add? Yeah. I love, Oh God. I just, I, I've been loving, uh, Exodus is fangirling, especially now that hope yes. is in the group at the end, which is like when hope is just like, they're like, bro, you just, you really need to chill out. Like, I hope now you realize I'm not the Messiah. Jesus, Jesus didn't shoot anyone through the head. He did not. There's another reason why you're the far superior kind of messiah, messiah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's great. So that's all the books. Josue, you read anything else besides fables? Uh, no, it's just been fables. Um, I, I did get, I, I, I love, I love one particular book. Uh, at least where I, where I got to, I got halfway. I got to book nine, hardcover nine. So definitely past issue 75. I'm into like, well, into like the, the, the dark ages now with Mr. Dark, which is, where the book where the book really amps up with all like the mystical but before that the whole story with ambrose flycatcher yep yep though hit his whole comeuppance and it's just really fucking good I, I love that he did not get killed uh way back in the the march of the wooden soldiers because he and boy blue just served the book so much like they're just they, they, it, the book wouldn't be the wouldn't be fables it's, if it wasn't for those it's two. not the same once they're both gone yeah no i mean if they were to die way back then yeah. I don't think that book would have lasted. Like yeah, they, they, right. they, they impact the story so much. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's just been um, those. I, I, I'm hoping to, to wrap it up by this next week. Nice. Uh, I've been reading a book called Superman. Mm. It's an unauthorized biography of Superman by Glenn Weldon. Um, and it's, uh, it's literally the history of Superman. It's really fascinating. Uh, I'm into the seventies now, so I'm 40 years nice. into the creation and um, it's really interesting to hear like the different transformations Superman's gone through. How he kind of started off as like, like kind of a thug. Like he would he would threaten to kill people and stuff like that. And how he had to change due to the war, and he had to become like a big American Boy Scout because of it and stuff. Like it's really interesting. Huh. Um, and about the decisions they made. The author is a little bit condescending about Marvel, <laughs> which I thought was funny. He's like. DC heroes are adults. Marvel heroes are, you know, adolescents that the, that the adolescent audience could understand better because they're immature. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, calm the fuck down. Like, <laughs> like so. But uh, it's pretty good. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It is free on Audible if anyone wants to listen to it. I was out of credits, but they have a bunch of stuff uh, free right now uh, for the next, uh, I think, week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Shadow and Bone, the first book from the Shadow and Bone series is there. Nice. Um, this is on there. And um, uh, Mythos by Stephen Fry is my next book mm. that I'm going to listen to. So those are all free right now. Other than that, I didn't really read anything, to be honest. Uh, I read a little bit of Sandman, but not not a lot. Um, I just haven't had time. Yeah. <laughs> like, And lots, lots of comics to read. So, uh, But yeah, that should be it then. So uh, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find out the show on WHI Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith, our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, and Hosway at Hosway Reads Hosway. 
You can also check out Josue on Josue Plays Josue on Twitch. Uh, check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo, where every other week we put together a playlist using a randomized category with some of our friends and special guests. Our most recent episode, which is out right now, is Amp versus Amp, which I'm not going to explain. <laughs> it's complicated. Just check it out for yourself. We do explain it's on the episode. Check it out. Yes. Yeah, we do explain there. Our next episode that will come out a uh, little over a week from now on Monday is Front Women. Bands fronted by women only. This is one of our hardest categories because I already have a list in the double digits. <laughs> oh, my God. And, yeah. And we're going to be joined by Liza and Manda at this time. Yes. Barring, you know, card subject to change. We'll see. So, um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about that episode. I mean, Manda have already been like, I don't even know how I'm going to, you know, narrow this down. So uh, I'm like, usually my picks are all women anyways. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that should be it. Uh, check that out on Jukebox Vertigo. And again, I mentioned Josue's Twitch. Uh, Josue plays Josue every Monday. Check out the live stream when he does a listening party with that week's uh, list. And we talk about it. He plays a game. This last week was Mario Kart. And we just have a good ch- chat about it. So check it out there. But that should be it. Don't forget to bagboard and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. (laughs) 